Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what the dickens. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, busy Wednesday. Thank you very much for joining us. we got a lot to talk about. I'm still in full enjoyment of these NBA postseason games so far, too. And it's weird uh, because you look at the Pacers and what we're kind of waiting on, right? You place your hopes on... Just those wins and those pieces of that core, take it easy, Brian, that you expect to see in a level of play that you expect to see coming up this year. And you do kind of wish it was like the Lakers, for example, don't you? Where, you know what, if you want to reboot, you can reboot. But you can reboot from being really bad in that moment to really good. Or being really questionable to being really good. Like Rob Palenka, the Rob Lowe lookalike, that's the general manager of the Lakers, could not have really put together a worse product for a couple of years and then just went to work. And it's funny, I know that it's more than guessing, but went to work at the trade deadline and then came up with something that to this point it works. Like on the fly. You do wish, don't you? Because I do as well. You wish that the Pacers were an NBA team that were able to just go ahead and reboot that thing on the fly and not have to wait a moment like you can with the Lakers. And then all of a sudden, now all the, the A-list stars start coming back now. Like Jack Nicholson. In that first-round series, that clincher against Memphis, he was back. Remember a year ago, the storyline was Memphis. I was in love with Memphis. Not in love with Memphis, but I enjoyed him a great deal. They had all this Indiana flavor on it, added even more Indiana flavor. And with personalities and crapola, basically, and injuries, flushed their entire season down the toilet. They could not have gone more quickly to a team like one that I would embrace and go, I'm going to stamp and watch this. This is fun. To one where you go, I hope these these guys lose. It's amazing. But with a team like the Lakers, you just reboot. Yeah, the Knicks haven't been able to do that. The Knicks have been trying to do that for a number of years. 
Now that they put together something, no Jimmy Butler last night. The Heat did play well most of that game to hang in there, but now even at a game apiece in that Eastern Conference best of seven. You're just kind of salivating, though, aren't you? You're chomping at the bit until the Pacers can represent coming up next year. None of this Chad Buchanan, well, you know, next year or the year after, none of this year after stuff, like next year. Aren't you? And I know that the weather has not been representative of what you normally get when the Pacers are in the postseason. I guess it's going to start to be that way. But in the first round, certainly it wouldn't have been that way for the most part around here. But I can feel you. I can feel you chomping at the bit. Now, what this comes down to when you compare the Colts and the Pacers with that in mind, and people ask me all the time, so who's going to get back to a fan reason level of winning? What is expected? Who's going to do that quicker? Right? I think the other day it was asking me, and I had to do some math, and I had to bail on the question altogether. But I think it was asking me the other day, you know, who is going to win at a higher percentage next year? And then I had to do math, and I had to just quit that all altogether. But you could suggest, certainly, and I think easily, that the Pacers are on the quicker pace right now. But then you think about what I talked about yesterday. Just how long are you going to sit around and wait for the Colts? Like it has been said, well, if they don't have a good season next year, then how in the world is Chris Ballard going to remain on as the general manager? Uh, You were around here for the past six, right? You know that they just drafted a 20, soon-to-be 21-year-old quarterback and had 75 draft selections in last weekend's draft. You do know what that means. Unless this is just an, an outer space comet crashing in on Indy. Disaster-wise, nothing going to happen. Well, wait a minute. What if they don't win? He, won- he lost so many games last year, right? And he got to hang. He got to hang and he got to be involved, if maybe not at the highest level, well, certainly at the highest level. Maybe none of the loudest voice. He got to be involved in determining the short and what is believed to be the long-term future of this organization. So where do you think he's going? Why would anybody suggest that, well, if things don't go well this year, it would have to go worse than last year, can it? I know what you're saying out there right now. Sure it can. Well, they win four games last year, win less. But when you take into consideration all that was just so craptacular a year ago, can it be worse? A lot of people were laughing that off, too, because it was such a circus last year. A lot of people laughed at it like you were at the circus. Like 25 clowns are trying to cram into this VW bug. It was like you were at the circus because that's what you were witnessing. There was a whole lot of, well, we've never seen that before for the bad. So you're suggesting that this year is going to be worse? I don't know what you can expect in year number one from your quarterback. A work in progress, but I do understand this. Sooner rather than later, I get on board with. 
if you're going to make mistakes, make mistakes. And make mistakes in games and games that matter. And I know everybody is thrilled with the athleticism because I am among those that would be thrilled with the athleticism. But you got to keep in mind, the Colts folks were also determining what they were going to do at quarterback by virtue of watching what they call the tape, what you call the tape, and what they like about that. See, to me, it's kind of like the same thing when you ask regarding Chris Ballard. Well, if he doesn't do this, then how is he going to hang around? Because he's going to hang around. It's the same thing holding true with Anthony Richardson to me. All right, so if he plays this bad, how are you not going to play Minshew? Well, you don't. You don't. Unless there's an injury, right? If you are capable competent enough which again maybe we're holding at a high level the highest of levels the expectation of Shane Steichen to do that but shouldn't that be the expectation and we all love a little bit of insurance I just don't know what this insurance policy is going to be about I love Gardner Minshew by the way great conversation great dude I'm going to send him out with us to Mystic Water so we can go ahead and hum on the guitar a little bit. That'll be outstanding. Great, dude. But don't you want to punch the clock on the 21-year-old by then rookie? Don't you want to do that? Does it really matter if he's not completely ready? And again, there's a difference here, right? Not being ready is a little bit of a loose term. Like, if you're not ready and it can be harmful to you, all right, you want to be able to be able to protect yourself. And I'm assuming a 6'4", 244-pound quarterback is going to be able to do that, but I think you know what I mean. But I don't think you have to put him in a glass case and then make sure that everything is tidy and everything is perfect and then bring him back and unleash him upon the world of football. I think you can turn him loose and say, oh, man, that sucks. I got to do this different. And then with that in mind, too, embrace those moments. We always think about when, when somebody is that, that age and has that lack of experience, you know, you think about, man, it's going to be tough for this person to really, especially young and You know, if you consider that age immature, especially at a quarterback level in the NFL, mostly what you think about is, you know, how are you handling failure? How are you handling losses? How are you handling turnovers? How are you handling the negative? But it's also important to find out from a guy like this how you handle success. And I also think it's very important to see how fans also get a little bit of taste around here of that success. Doesn't have to be the entirety of the season. I don't think anybody out there expects that. But you do want to see bits and pieces of it. And I think it's important. It's just as important for a new, inexperienced quarterback to soak up and evolve from the success as it is what is sure to be a great deal of failure. It's just the way that it's going to be.
and it's it's probably going to happen often. It will happen when you least expect it, but it will also happen when it's absolutely obvious. Right? That's what I'm hoping to see. I am hoping to see, and again, that also comes in terms of what they think about him in, in workouts and then ultimately training camp and how prepared he is to lead that team. But I think we all should be on the same page with that, should we not? That you want to get this thing going as quickly as possible? And I tell the truth when I mention that there's a percentage of fans that you don't at all mind to see Gardner Menchu. I also look around at this team and say, well, and I know last year really didn't show it a great deal, but, you know, Jonathan Taylor's still a part of this. You got a defense in the front seven again. A lot of that depended upon how Shaq Leonard returns and what he is going to look like. But you do have some players on this team. You do have some means for success. And then we'll see regarding the offensive line what what is going to be blamed of a year ago. You know, what the issue was a year ago. Was it just, you know, about a quarterback that had zero escapability, no mobility, uh, no arm strength, no nothing? That was detrimental. And then you play a guy like Ellinger, who's not very good. Then you play a guy like Foles, who also is not very good, also can't move, also can't do anything. You do that? Is it going to be better just because of this new offense? Because of a new mobile quarterback? And again, Gardner Minshew is, to me, a great insurance policy. But like all of our insurance policies, you don't want to really have to cash that in until you absolutely have to, right? I mean, in, in terms of your quarterback, you really don't want to have to cash that in at all. Because when you think about it this way, it's if, if he starts the season and then all of a sudden, well, we're going to play Gardner Minshew this week, unless it's about injury, which is bad, then it's about a level of ineffectiveness that forces your hand with that, and that is bad. There's going to be a lot of stuff that folks around here, I think, will have to live with. Regarding this group, regarding this group being able to win. Some moments, some moments they'll probably play well. They'll have success. They'll go down the field, score a touchdown, and you go, wait, what's wrong with these guys? Why can they not do this more consistently? And then ultimately it's going to be up to you to see how long you're going to be able to hang. And it does seem like a lot of you are talked into, and believe me, I don't want to hear any of this. Well, you know, all it does, you're just giving Ballard a pass. It, listen, I'm the last one on here that's given Ballard a pass. You guys go back to that interview in February, watch that. He was thrilled to hang with me. Now, it was great that he did, and I can completely understand why he would not be thrilled to hang with me. I would have looked the same way if some jack stick in the afternoon and radio said that stuff about me, I'd felt the same way. But he was there, and he spent about 35 minutes. But again, as I have told you, it really, unless it's an absolute catastrophic disaster, it's going to make no difference. 
this is going to be an introductory period for a new era, and that new era is under center in Anthony Richardson. And unless this guy transforms into something that you know, especially early, into like a Zach Wilson, regardless, what you think is going to be worse than a four-win team? You think right now, the way that it looks, this is worse than a four-win team? You're curious on that with you, 239-1070. I think yesterday I asked you how much patience you were going to have. Man, it's easy to go ahead and say, I'll have a lot for you. I get a lot of patience. I'm good. It's easy to say that right now. It's much more different, much more difficult in the midst of a lot of losing and a lot of negativity to, to hold strong with that. And that's why it was so important with the Pacers a year ago. They gave you a reprieve from that. Good for them. You know, they kind of set it up as, well, you know what? This is going to be a work in progress. Be prepared. And then, oh, wow, look at these guys. Not bad. So, if you saw what happened a year ago with the NBA team that you believe, a lot of you believe, is going to be back on that mark quicker than what the NFL team is going to be, then you're going to have to hope for a lot of that from this Colts team moving forward, too. There are comparisons to be made. But it'd be nice, wouldn't it, just to wave that magic wand? Hey! Especially in the NBA. We're going to go ahead and reboot here with Russell and Vanderbilt. And look, all of a sudden, this Austin Reeves guy, he's going to start playing well. You think about Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis down the stretch of the season. Anthony Davis was probably hurt more than he scored points. Ow, my back. Ow, my ankle. Ow, my hand. And the guy is 30 and 23 or something like that last night. Now, again, with Golden State, it's always pretty cool. There's such a chill factor there because you've been down the path before. But so has LeBron James. Man, it seems to me like LeBron James can be better as a 38-year-old right now and playing off of others when not carrying the entirety of the load, but knowing if the moment does arise and he needs to, he can't. I'll be honest with you. I look at this postseason. I should hate it. I was trying to think the other day, what do I really like? What would I have liked about it? If I didn't like basketball as much as I did, especially high level, incredible athleticism, shot making ability, if I didn't like it, who would I be on board with right now? I can't stand Philadelphia. Can't stand Boston. Can't stand New York. Can't stand Dracar and Miami. I like the Lakers. And Denver, all right. I used to like Phoenix, but Phoenix is no longer as appealing as it once was. I guess Golden State, but Golden State's been there a ton. And Golden State's fun to watch just because, to me, if there's somebody that I would tune in to watch every moment, it is going to be Steph Curry. Yeah, this should be a postseason where I'm going, God, this is awful. I don't know, Joel Embiid wins the MVP. Ugh. <laughs> Great. What else you got for me, NBA? Thank you, but no, it has been must watch. I don't know why. I guess because I like basketball. Let's see Julius Randle take more step back threes. 
Uh, Boston and Philly coming up later on tonight. Embiid coming off the MVP announcement as of yesterday. There's game two with the Sixers up a game in that best of seven. <laughs> yeah, no. The Joker. I do too. I think about the Joker. How? What would Joker look like if he were like six foot six? <laughs> Just, he um he has always had what they like to call an old man low post game, which I think is pretty funny. I like watching that. It's all about creating space and footwork and uh, getting your ass end on somebody and holding them off. Talented dude, no doubt about that. Yeah, it gives me every reason in the world not to like it, but I'm there. I'm there every single night with you. I'm trying not to, and don't force me to do this, all right? I'm trying hard not to pay attention to the Reds. That makes sense to you? Because they got on that five-game win streak, and then Litzy and the gang on social media said, hey, man, the Reds, win streak. Hey, JMV, you're paying attention. Oh, yeah, great. Here it is, win streak. And then they lost immediately. I'm just like, I'm like that little idol that Bobby Brady picked up in Hawaii, and they made that sound effect because you knew bad luck was about to occur. It was about like Jaws. When the music started, you know somebody was about ready to be eaten. Or the the attempt to eat somebody was on the way. Like here's here it comes. Get ready. The shark's going to eat somebody. It's like with the idol around Bobby's neck. All right. When that sound effect's played, somebody is going to suffer the consequences of really bad luck. Spider on your chest. Some sort of big wall fixture coming off. Alice tweaked her back doing. Hula lessons. Greg crashes. Wipes out surfing. I mean, you just knew. And that's how you know the Reds are going to go bad. Even if they have a five-game win streak, is somebody is going to tell me that they're playing well, and then I'm going to pay attention and or notice. And, uh, well, after that, you got it. They're going to lose. So I'm trying really hard not to pay attention. Got a win last night. Actually had one five straight. See, here we go. They got a 4-10 start in San Diego today. So I'm assuming nobody will be able to catch a fly ball in the outfield there, right? With the sun in their eyes. So they had one five consecutive. And then when Litzy told me about that, they lost to the Athletics 5-4, then lost to the Padres. They got it back 2-1 last night against the Padres. And I can tell you this. And it is baby steps, and I know Cardinal fans will get bent out of shape, and I don't really care, but at least the Reds aren't in last place in the Central like the Cardinals. That does make me laugh. That is pretty funny. That is kind of funny. 13 and 17 of the Reds. The Cardinals are 10 and 20. What the hell's going on there? Got to be some excuse there. Who's injured? Who's not doing right? Somebody not performing up to their contractual abilities. Cubs, by the way, 15 and 14. Uh, Reds have an afternooner in San Diego a little bit after 4 o'clock. All right, 239-1070 is the number. 
Email address is 1075thefan. Actually, check that. JMV at 1075thefan.com. If you want to send an email, you can do it that way, too. Zach Kiefer is going to join me coming up in about seven minutes. We'll go over with a fine-tooth comb, the draft, and I'm going to ask him some of those questions I brought up to you. You know, how long should it take? How long will it take? How long will you guys, will you guys remain engaged? How much time will it take before people turn on a youthful, inexperienced quarterback? Should you throw him in right away? Do you put him in that glass case that I talked about you shouldn't? Should you utilize Gardner Minshew? And again, should you cash in that insurance policy before it's absolutely necessary? Which I don't think you should. Zach Kiefer, bottom of the hour, will talk about that. Bowen's going to be here in the 4 o'clock hour as well. Mark Long covers the Jags of the AFC South. He's going to drop in coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Hey, heads up on Friday. Fox Road, La Hacienda. Luna Azul Tequila, betting analyst Brent Halverson, me and all of you will be hanging out on Cinco de Mayo. Who is in? I better get people inside the lounge via YouTube Live because, honestly, the last couple of remotes I've had, there have been promises made and promises not kept. It's like multiple Lombardis, all chips in. It's all that together, all right? So we better get some folks out of there, but I'd love to see everybody out on Friday for our Cinco de Mayo extravaganza. That's actually the day before the mini. Think about this for a moment. Those of you that are running the many, and I don't know why. I know that there are some deeply rooted and emotional reasons why you're doing it. For others, it just seems somewhat to me very psychotic. Be that as it may, from what they tell me, and these are these are athletes, these are runners, distance runners. They tell me that there is nothing better from top to bottom for your bod in preparation for a marathon or a distance run the day after or the next day, if you will, then Cinco de Mayo shots of Luna Azul tequila. <clears throat> Samples of Luna Azul tequila. Have you guys heard that before? I didn't know that that was true, but apparently it is. Apparently, they, they did a test, and if you're like Jean-Paul... On Seinfeld the night before, and you down some samples of Luna Azul tequila, you ran the marathon the next morning much better. That's just what they say. I don't know if it was a doctor. Or I don't know who ran these tests, but that's just what they say. So if you're running the mini, we would love to see you out there with us. Me, Brett Halverson, and hopefully a lot of you. In fact, I was going to invite the entire staff so Jake's going to run the mini. I don't know if Jake would go, but we'll ask Jake. Kevin Bowen, we'll ask him at the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, Noah was just in here, but I didn't ask him. But I can, and I will. And uh, Jimmy Cook, I don't know if Jimmy Cook would come out or not. James, would you come out there? Well, you're running the board. you got to stay here. Yeah, i got to stay in the nah, That's too bad. Then. Yeah, we'll get everybody out there. Uh, including you. Should be fun. Cinco de Mayo is coming up on Friday. Again, La Hacienda on Fox Road. That is up around Geist coming up on Friday. Luna Zul Tequila, Heaven Hill Distillery, Brent Halverson, and a normal Friday full of fun coming straight at you. Zach Key for Kevin Bowen, Mark Long. Your chance to win the JMV September the 16th Rock Show at Brown County Music Center features Warrant, Bullet Boys, and Alita Ford.
We'll give away a pair of tickets for that. Listen to win for a re-entry of any of those three artists. Number nine is going to be a winner, and we're going to have a blast on a weekend down in Brown County in Nashville for the Brown County Music Center. The JMV show features Warrant, Lita Ford, and Bullet Boys. Your chance to win a pair of tickets a little bit later on. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, HD Radio, if you have that, utilize it in your car, truck, or van. The stream, the app, and 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Sit tight. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, I'm going to go to that Rick Springfield show right there. Here's why. I'm going to give you a reason why we all need to go. It's Rick Springfield. Tommy Two-Tone. Uh, Paul Young, I think, is a part of that as well. But the Hooters, the Hooters, the band from Philadelphia is a part of it. And We Danced was a big deal. Day by Day was a big deal from the Hooters album at 85. But there's a song called All You Zombies, which would roll perfectly today because we are a world that absolutely loves anything that has to do with the walking no longer with us. The moving, the running, the jumping, the riding in trucks. Those that are no longer with us, still around chasing us and trying to get us and trying to bite us, trying to eat us. (laughs) All You Zombies is an incredible song. In fact, it is one of the best songs of the 1980s. That's what you're looking at from the Hooters coming up. I think that's in August at TCU Amphitheater. That will be a blast, I promise you. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline, The Athletic, writes regarding the Colts, friend of the show, Zach Kiefer joins us. So, if if you're the Colts, and mind you, how much does Anthony Richardson need to show for them to punch his clock in week number one? Because that's what I want to see. I'm assuming everybody else is on board with me, but what exactly would you expect he would have to show the brain trust to be allowed to do that and be ready to go in week one? Yeah, I think I think we might need to pump the brakes on that a little bit. Ooh, I can't pump you know, the I, brakes. I can't do that. I'm yeah, brakeless. I'm brakeless. I I, it's too fun. It's too fun to envision. What no, my, my feet go through the floor like Fred Flintstone. That's how I'm trying to break here. Let's let's just pause and remember this kid's 20 years old. He turns 21 in a month. Like he can't even go buy a beer right now, and he doesn't have a lot of football to his name. Yep. Like this is a big important point, and he's only played 13 games in college. And that was one of the biggest reservation Ed Dodd, the assistant GM, had. He was like, "What are we doing scouting this guy? He's only got 13 starts." Now I get that he needs rest, he needs to play, and he needs to see live defenses, right? And I think Westfield training camp is going to be huge for him. Right. And I think like John, if you're out there, like anyone out there is going to be able to know, like you guys are going to watch him every day and sure. He's going to make some wild plays. Like that's going to be fun to watch, 
but it's the consistency. I think it's how Richardson responds to failure because he's going to have some rough days. He's going to get picked off a couple times. Now, maybe not by this defense, this secondary, that's a bunch of rookies, but I feel like how he responds to his bad days is going to tell them a lot whether he can handle it because it's going to get really tough when they get to week one and they start playing real defenses. And then secondly, what does he look like over a quarter, maybe two quarters in the preseason game? Because that's when you're going to get a feel for what it's going to really be like. But look, my my stance is not going to change on this. Like, I don't think he's going to start week one. I know that's what Jim Irsay hinted at. I know that's what the fans want. I know a lot of people out there want to see him, you know, learn on the job, right? But but this is not even a guy that started two years in college. So if he waits six or eight games, that might not be a bad thing. Yeah, I got. I, I have no longer have breaks. So I'm getting too old to have breaks. You know what I mean? Like we got it. We got to expedite yeah, all these processes around here. Huh? You know, what? like this isn't about 2023. This is about five years down nah, the line. Well, I mean, you know you what? Handle him is important. I understand, but you're much younger than I am, and a lot of us out there is so you got more time. I, I don't know how much time I have. So when you're able Man, to conveniently punch the clock for whatever reason, punch that bad boy, and let's get going. Let's get this thing down the road. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, and I think a big, big, big part of this, and, and you've talked about this, is the expectations are going to be completely different this year. They need to be completely reset. I think the fans know that. I think they know this guy's going to have ups and downs and he's going to fail. There's no need to make the playoffs. There's no need to win even eight games or nine games. Like, I think Jim Murphy said it best. He's like, you know if this team's headed in the right direction. They could be 6-11 and 11 and still heading in the right direction. So I think you can be able to tell by November, December, early January, if they've got something in this guy. And they're not going to pull the plug after one year, obviously. But I think you, you definitely need to get him on the field. But how they handle this is going to play out over time. But, but again, it, it's kind of nice to not have to win right away. They're, they're going to build long term. You also think about it in terms of this, too, and Zach Kiefer joins us, is that you know, obviously uh, bumps in the road, if you started in week number one, and I, I'm still all for it and hopefully he can, but let's just say you start him in week one and two bad things could happen. One, which could happen anyway, anytime, whatever, is being injured, but the worst would be you get out there and then you realize he's not ready and then you have to utilize the insurance policy this Gardner Minshew after you've already started, you know, the the rookie fourth overall selection, that would not appear to be good business right there. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of, right? It, it, it doesn't hurt you to start Minshew for five games. It doesn't hurt you. He's fine. He's probably as good as you're going to get as a backup bridge guy, right? He knows the offense. He's going to know where the ball goes. And I think him playing will show Richardson what the offense should look like when it's run by a competent quarterback who's comfortable with psyching. So, like you said, if you throw Richardson out there and he looks totally out of sorts, like he doesn't know what's going on, then you bring in Minshew. Then it's a really tough question on when you bring Richardson back. So that just gets messy. I'm not saying there's a perfect way to do it. I just feel like there's less risk if you start Minshew for the first month or so just to, just to work the rookie in when it's the right time. But, again, you can't predict everything. And, and Minshew could get hurt in the second quarter of the first game, and then it's like, all right, rookie, you're up. You know, it's interesting, too. They bring in Gardner Minshew, and there is a section of the fan base out there is much like you, cool, because they kind of want to see Minshew play. And there's a belief in Minshew. This would be something, to me, that would be much more difficult if you were counting on an Ellinger or a Folds. And again, I know that you know, neither one are going to play significant roles at all, if, if at all, in this. But if it 
were somebody other than Minshew, where it appears there's a little bit of interest in the fan base around here, this could also be viewed differently by them. You agree? Yeah, and don't you think part of the reason they're so high on Minshew, they watched him carve up the Colts a couple of years ago, right? 19 for 21. And, and he played pretty well with the Eagles last year, and, and I just don't think it hurts anything to, to throw him out there. But the other thing is, why is Nick Foles still on this roster? Like, we were trying to figure that out today, and it's just like, I don't think he wants to be here. I don't think the Colts really have room for him. There's just no point. There's just no point. So I would imagine that gets resolved pretty soon with the release, and they'll eat a million and a half. But I thought that would come right after the draft when they got their quarterback. Man, all that money on quarterbacks over the years. That's an an amazing figure right there. Yeah, I guess the nice thing is what's Richardson going to cost you over the next four years? $35 million? Yeah, this is where you build your team. This is where you go out and spend some money and and build an infrastructure. Because if you hit on him, that number is just going to get massively big. Even with that, is it still pretty backwards though? Considering that you got a running back that's you know needs to be playing at that level that you would expect in a win now situation. You know, DeForest Buckner needs to be in a win now situation. Shaquille Leonard, if he's capable, a win now situation. You know, Quentin Nelson, the offensive line in a win now situation. It's really backwards compared to what other teams do to start building from that quarterback position and building outward. The Colts are doing this upside down. Yeah, how different does it feel in 2012, right? But, look, it was always going to be difficult and tricky and, 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 and a little messy because 12 months ago, you were a team that was essentially going for it, right? You had these veteran contracts. You were shelling out money to Darius and to Quentin and to Buckner because you thought you were ready to win the division. That was the big goal, win the division and see where we go in the playoffs with Matt Ryan. We know they never sniffed close to that. And the reality is if you move all off of that in one offseason, I think the risk is – what is this rookie walking into? And I know this is something Chris Ballard's thought about a lot, is what does he walk into? And that's why I think you, you pay Jonathan Taylor, because Shane Steichen is, is obviously Shane Steichen had a huge say, if not the deciding vote in this Anthony Richardson pick. But secondly, the idea of Richardson and Taylor in the same backfield, that's exciting as hell, man. Like, they are pumped to see what happens with that. And that's why you want to get this O-line fixed. I feel like adding pieces and, and, and getting better on offense and doing everything you can to help the rookie quarterback, I'm totally cool with that. you got to make this easy for him because this kid's not going to come in. Remember what Andrew Luck walked into in 2012? That, that offense was rookies everywhere. It wasn't very good besides Reggie Wayne, and they won 11 games. That ain't happening. This kid isn't that kid at quarterback. So as much infrastructure as you can build around him, that's going to help them. But if you're flipping it to the defense, I don't know. It sounds like Buckner wanted to be here, and they want him here, and he's a great leader. I can see why they want to keep him. But, again, where are you? Like, where are you paying these veterans and paying this rookie quarterback? That'll be the fascinating part because I just don't see a ton of wins coming next year because – of so many questions at the quarterback spot. Zach Kiefer of the Athletics on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. This was just tweeted to me, and I'd thought about it before we kind of got off uh, down a different path as far as the Colts conversation is concerned. You start Minshew, and again, hypothetically, they come out of the gate, they play well, they win. Is that because you're winning and the fan base, I'm sure, would be thrilled? Is that the best of both worlds, even without Anthony Richardson playing because it seems like if if Minshew were to play and the fans would get thrilled, let's say he wins some games, that would be stunting the growth of Richardson further down the road. 
What do you think? That's a crazy thought. The Colts actually winning the season opener. Yeah, it's weird. I know. I, I, I know. I've never, never considered that. Um, I guess it's possible. It's not like they're going to have a tough schedule. But is is a redshirt year the absolute worst thing that could happen to them? I don't think it is. I don't think it's the worst thing. I know the fans will not want that. They don't want to be patient. Now, I definitely agree that he needs to play and he needs to get reps. But I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if he sits and watches for a little bit of time. I really don't think he's going to get a lot of scout team reps, and I realize those are not the same thing. But it's, there's a lot on his plate, and I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. There was another quarterback who came into the league and sat for a year, and he had some accuracy issues and some platform delivery issues and all those question marks about his scrambling, uh, Sandlot-type style. And he took off in year two. Now, I'm not comparing Anthony Richardson to Patrick Mahomes, but if you read the scouting reports, there's a lot of similarities. A year on this system might not be a bad thing for him if he doesn't see the field much. But again, I'm like the rest of you. I want to see him play too. Yeah, I just, I, I to me, I just want to see him get going. Right, I want to see him get going because I just think that that's good. That's good for him. That's good for the organization. That's good for the fans. Even if he doesn't play well, the fact that they deem him good to go, it justifies a lot of these early season fears that I'm sure some have about this not being the right selection. I mean, it's see, I make fun of you know me being old and oh, I'm on the clock here, but this decision is also on the clock. And I know that Chris Ballard's got three years. I know Shane Steichen's got a you know a six year deal. Basically, three years is what I think Ballard's going to have to get this entire thing figured out on the reboot. I just think if you come to the conclusion that he is good to go, then you push him out there and he's good to go. That's where I am. Yeah. Look, if if he plays, it's because one person decided he was ready, and that's going to be the final field approval, and that's Shane Steichen. Those are the words of Jim Mersey. We we know that he's had a thing or two to say about who's playing quarterback the last 12 months. That didn't go well. I do think he's going to step back and let his coach make this decision. But Steichen has got a different feel in this building right now. You listen to the players, and he's very direct in meetings, and, and they're starting to believe that what he says is the right thing. So Steichen's not going to mess around with this kid. He knows his future here is tied to the success or failures of Anthony Richardson. So if Steichen, who has this say on when this kid actually gets on the field, decides he's ready to play, then, then Steichen approved it. Then that's a good sign. Then Steichen feels comfortable with Richardson's grasp of the offense, with what's going to come. And, and like you said, like it's, it's not going to be pretty probably for most of the season. But if they believe he's ready to go out there, like let's go let him learn. Like Peyton was 3-13, and 13, for goodness sake, in the rookie, and through 28 interceptions. So, you know, this city can live through that. And if you see some good things at the end of the year, you start to get really excited about what could be possible in 2024. What are they going to do with Ellinger? Is he going to be – the third quarterback in this? Are they going to carry three or just two? How do you think they're going to end up doing this? We, we know ultimately what's going to happen to Foles, but what about Ellinger? Yeah, I think they keep Ellinger. I mean, I, look, Chris Bowd loved Sam Ellinger, and, and I know he didn't play great last season, but by the end he was certainly better than Nick Foles, and you could argue he's better than Matt Ryan. Um, and I think there's a lot of value, a lot of value in keeping Ellinger in that room, whether he's on the 53 or on the practice squad for the development and the nurturing of Anthony Richardson. I've talked to Sam about the offense, and he knows this inside and out. Now, that was Frank Reich's offense, but I have no doubt he'll pick up Steichen's offense quickly. And there's a lot to be said for a guy 
that could be essentially a quarterback coach. I mean, Ellinger knows he knows football to that level. So I think there's a lot to be said for that. And, and he was thrown into the fire last year, and he knows what it's like, and he can tell Richardson certain things about what to expect that's different from the practice field and game day. But I think absolutely Ellinger will be on the roster in training camp. Whether he makes the final 53 remains to be seen. Maybe you can keep him on the practice squad. I don't know, though. He might get picked up by another team. But I don't think they'll have any hesitation keeping three quarterbacks on the roster this year. So Zach Kiefer, the athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, did it dictate to you that they didn't go after a linebacker in the draft, that they believe that Shaquille Leonard is going to be good to go, or is there still still a lot of crossing the fingers and hoping he's going to get, be good to go here? What do you think? No, I don't think you can assume that at all. Like, Let's be real, man. I mean, like this is – this is not the Andrew Luck shoulder, but at this point, nobody can know for sure. Now, you think he's going to be back. You hope he's going to be back. But it was it was not a great linebacker draft. I don't think the Colts believe that. And it, they've got, you know, they got Zaire. They got DJ Speed. I was a little surprised they didn't add something simply because insurance is nice. And they've drafted really well at that position in the past. Zaire Franklin, Matt Adams, Fabio Carrique. Uh, I'm blanking on the guy that went to Cleveland, Anthony Walker. Anthony Walker was a good pick in the seventh round. So um, it's anyone's guess right now. Like they can hope, you know, Darius Leonard, Shaq Leonard's going to be back. But with the nerve and with all these surgeries, like I still think it's a question mark. And that's that's not going to be answered, one, until he's back on the field in Westfield in training camp, whenever that is. And then more importantly, when he's on the field doing what he used to do on game day. It's uh, Zach Key for The Athletic. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Crew Hotline. Man, I appreciate it. What you got coming up as far as writing is concerned? Well, the rookies are in town tomorrow. Starting nice. tomorrow, and then they got a three-day mini camp. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I believe we're talking to the quarterback on Saturday. Yep. Uh, we'll get our eyes. You know, he'll be in a Colts jersey for the first time on Friday. So uh, you can imagine, like Mike Chappell always says, can't write about the quarterback too much. He was uh, all with me on Friday. I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, really enjoyed it. So, yeah, it doesn't sound like a twenty-year-old, right? I don't yeah. think I would have been that mature at twenty. So, I think I think there's some some promise there. I mean, I, and I've said that about Matt Ryan last year. I really enjoyed that. Wentz the year before. Oh, I really okay. enjoyed that. You know, Philip Rivers <laughs> enjoyed that. So clearly, what I've enjoyed is meaningless uh, compared to what the uh, translation is, wins and losses wise. But, but now nah, he was yeah, uh, but- a good conversation. But I will say this, how many years of experience in the NFL dealing with media do those guys have? Wentz mm-hmm. and Rivers and, and Ryan. And this kid's 20. Like, yeah. He can't even go buy a beer. So um, with all the pressure and going to his hometown school, I was pretty impressed at how he handled a lot of that. But then again, it, it's easy this time of year, man. Everyone yep. believes they had a great draft. And everyone believes better. this season's going to be better than the last. It's, it's going to get really hard when they're 1-7 and seven and they're trying to figure out what to do with the quarterback. Well done, Zach. I appreciate that. Have a great weekend. Thanks, man. You too. You got it. Zach Kiefers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Podline. Is it okay to say have a great weekend on Wednesday? I've never really asked that. I think it's okay to say have a great weekend on Thursday and certainly exceptional on Friday, but is it okay to have a great weekend on Wednesday? No, somebody else can answer that. Randy can join on the other side. Bo on top of the hour. Mark Long covers the AFC South. He's going to be here in the 5 o'clock hour. Chance to win with a JMV show coming up in September at Brown County Music Center. I'll tell you all about that next. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Zach Kiefer Podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Ian Eagle was fantastic on Monday. I would advise you go back and check that out. TNT, CBS, the future voice of the Final Four, taking over for Jim Nance and, of course, calling the Eastern Conference semifinal matchup between the Knicks and the Heat, now even in their best of seven at a game apiece. I can't stand either, but I enjoy like hell watching it. I can't stand the Celtics. I can't stand the Sixers. I have enjoyed like hell watching them. Phoenix no longer does anything for me. Denver's all right. I don't care for the Lakers. Like the Lakers just always get out of stuff. Like Rob Palenka put all that together and he just kind of weaseled his way out of it. Looking to rock Rob Lowe all the way. I don't like the Lakers. But I do think basketball, for whatever reason, is lame. I know I'm going to say something incredibly lame, which is par for the course. But it seems like the NBA is better when the Lakers and the Knicks are relevant. Why did I just say that? I don't even believe what I just said. So I guess Golden State, who lost last night in Game 1 to the Lakers at home uh, because of the incredible out-of-this-world it is, it, and, and what's amazing about Steph Curry is he makes these ridiculous 35-foot shots, fall into the left, fall into the right, off one foot, and you expect it. You expect it. That's what's amazing about it. It's an oh, wow, if he misses it. So I love this postseason, but I can't stand most of these teams that are taking part. Now, that's weird. Right, Randy, you're on hold. We'll get back to you. Mark Long, who, for the AP, covers the AFC South. He's going to drop in at the 5 o'clock hour. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Kevin Inquiry, weekday mornings here on The Fan. Kevin Bowen joins us now. So I'm at La Hacienda for Cinco de Mayo on Friday. And I thought, why not we just get everybody at the station together and all take part on Friday. What do you think? Can you make it? Oh boy! Um, Why don't we do that, that? Is that out in uh, out in Geist? It is out in there? Geist. Yeah, I think I looked at it. It is literally an hour from where I live. So yes, Geist. <laughs> <laughs> well, my wife grew up there, so some old stopping grounds there. I will be at Colts practice for. Wait a minute, Maddie's a Geist girl, huh? Well, she is. Yeah, she went to uh, Amy Beverlin, which is right out there, to begin her education. And then well. St. Simon, which is right across the street. So I think she's ventured to La Hacienda. That, well, how did she pick you? How did, how did you end up in this equation? How did she pick you? Were there not more well, not better talent that, out there? Yeah, you could say that, you know, <laughs> desperate times lead to desperate measures. You know, maybe it's kind of where, um, where she was at there. So, 
Yeah, I, I, I guess friends through friends. Cathedral Chatard connection, maybe uh, a little bit there. Um, Did she go yeah. to Chatard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a Trojan. Oh, wow. This is my mom as well. Yeah, uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Huh. All right, so where did you guys meet? Well, we met at IU. Um, like, what, what, what was the situation? It was a little bit tamer than you would think. Um, it was more of just like, I'm hanging out with some cathedral guys that are Chitard friends. She's obviously friends with the Chitard crew. Um, yeah, so it was a very just non, um, you know, oh, drunk at a bar sort of situation. Oh, yeah. I was, um, I was very drunk at a bar. <laughs> I probably stoned at a bar uh, too. <laughs> I was probably a little stoned at the bar too. I was I had a little bit of everything at the bar that night. So yes. Yeah, covered covered all your bases. There. Yeah, yeah, I had um, it all. But no, she lived in Chicago for a few years after um after college and then moved back here and uh we did meet uh see each other one night at uh Punch Bull Social. Have you ever done a show from there? Yes, I have. In fact. Yeah. I think the last time I did a show from there. Um, and I, I remember shows by, especially if I have really bad arguments during it, and I spent, I spent most of the show, I think Golden State was in town. Golden State was in town. It was kind of still the early stages. They were already certainly acclimated to being a, a fun-to-watch great team, but it was the early stages of Golden State being what they are now. And I remember ripping everybody for wearing Golden State gear and, you know, wondering why, oh, yeah, you know, the Pacers don't get this. They don't get prime time. But Golden State comes here and you get prime time. So it's literally one of the worst and one of the whiniest arguments I've ever had. And that's where I remember the shows vividly. Like, I remember I remember the shows when I used to argue and I had this argument that instead of cutting Manning, you should keep him and still draft luck and have luck sit behind Manning for a number of years. But now, no, now I say Anthony Richardson needs to play. I'd love to see him play right away. So I'm completely full of crap. That's me. Full of crap. Wow. It's the ride with full of crap. That's quite the memory. I always reference when Golden State comes into town. That's the Carmel Pups night yeah. side of uh, Bankers Life Fieldhouse. You got all the all, all the Pups kids wearing their Steph Curry jersey. Uh, Cinco de Mayo, La Hacienda. That could get interesting. It could, and you better be there too because Lunazil Tequila and Brent Halverson. Uh, the samples the samples are fairly large. Substantial oh, yeah. samples is what happened. You've seen this before, so yeah, I want to get Good. you and I know. Uh, I know uh, Prefontaine's getting ready for Saturday. I'm going to see if he wants to come too. <laughs> Boy, Prefontaine has already said out. That was a great one. He's already setting up for like, man, I'm going to need a wheelchair graduation coming up next Wednesday. And, you know, last year at this time, it was, I don't know, I think it was shin splints or something. He was something that was you know really bothered him leading into the race but yeah this year it's it's been a lack of training too much score too yeah. much tutoring he says and so he hasn't been able to uh well see does he realize it's not really that uh humans like you and i understand that it's not you know work or outside influences playing a role it's the fact that really truly running sucks that's <laughs> what it is and listen, I understand why people do it. They do it, uh, you know, emotionally for emotional reasons. You know, they, they there are so many really good stories there, and there is no sign of disrespect coming from me whatsoever. But sorry if you're going to ask me, running 
sucks. It's a punishment. Like everything, every time I ever had to run, it was because, hey, you know what? You you skipped school. Hey, you left school early. Hey, you got in trouble. Hey, I heard you were at that party after the game. Hey, you didn't get home until, you know, five in the morning. It was always, okay, now go run, right? It was, oh, go run. It was always a punishment. So that's how I view running right now. And my, my son loves distance running, and I, I think he's psychotic. But that's uh, – Yeah, no – no one's ever said to me, congrats, Kevin, let's go run a 5K to celebrate. <laughs> go. Happy birthday, Kevin. Yeah. Let's go run. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. My brother-in-law's running, and I'm just like, gosh, man, you're just a different – and my dad ran the mini for years, and I, I certainly did not get his running gene whatsoever. So, happy for Jake. He said he's going to be, you know, running walking and petting dogs and doing the whole thing. So, can you imagine when he gets inside the track. Can you imagine all the chafing? That's going to be going on during that. So I much chafing. A couple of years ago, and I hadn't—I I, I hadn't played in a while. And oh my gosh, boy, you want to talk about issues afterwards? You know where I was—I was struggling there. What yeah, did you, that, what, what did you play? Down. Were you running? What were you doing? Pick up. Oh yeah. See, that's that's different for me though because it's like running to spots and the occasional cut and things like that. It's just not long distance running. It's not like you, you know, against the hardwood. It's in running. It's like you against the road. I just don't get it. So yeah, my uh, my metabolism is is shot. Like it used to be yes. pretty good, and now it's just gone. Yeah. And so I, I I do attempt to run like once every whatever two or three weeks, and I can't tell you once I hit that first drop of sweat, wherever that is, how far it is in on the run. I'm like, all right, my work here is done. Time to head home. Yeah. Let's just walk. Let's just walk the rest of the way. Yeah, my metabolism is like an old woman churning butter now, and it has been for like the last twenty years. It's sad. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I, I migrated from the large to the XL section. Yeah, but um, anyway, I want to get Jake out there. I, I tried to convince uh, people that are going to be in the mini on Saturday that I, I've I've read some studies where if you drink tequila the night before you run a long distance marathon or a long distance uh, running event that it, it does help you out. You do run better, which is a complete <laughs> lie, but that's, yeah. that's what I'm telling everybody, but no, it's going to be a great time. So I thought I'd get everybody out to the station, hang out with us for a little bit, have a good time. So if you can make it, please do. Yeah, I will be watching Anthony Richardson early in the afternoon, but I actually think it sounds like a, da- a decent little family outing for us, so I will certainly keep you posted. Now, do you do you spoil the entire meal by dipping too many chips? Oh, without question. Yeah, but if you eat the chips fast enough, and the meal, as long as there's not a long time between the the you know chips and then the entree, yeah, uh, your you, your stomach can't tell your brain that you're full, so you just continue to eat, and then you then you regret it, you know, once you get home. But as long as you can kind of stay with it at the uh, at that current pace. Uh, then you're then you're good to go. I always thought that uh, some of the better places that you will go to, they offer more than just salsa with those chips. If they offer queso before you Ooh. have to ask, that means that? that place is very special. I don't know. Do they? Well, they make you pay for it now everywhere. Queso. I was gonna. I was gonna say. Yeah. Uh, well, not to throw out other, you know. Um, Mexican restaurants around town because La Hacienda is the one that we we want to be going to. But mm-hmm. the ones that I've ventured to, uh, boy, I feel like salsa is the only real staple. I always think it's more for for guac or uh, or queso. Yeah, I'll tell you, we used to go to Bloomington and go to Chi Chi's. Chi Chi's was the date location. Chi-Chi's. 
Mexican restaurant out in Eastland Plaza in Bloomington. And it was basically every weekend. And then every weekend, uh, my girlfriend at the time always wondered why I would have to stop in Stanford on the way home and run into the woods. <laughs> I was going to say, with your with your road game issues, boy, I don't know. Yeah, Friday might be the it was best. never. It was bad, and it started early for me too. It was bad. It was. I mean, I'd say I think I think something flew out of the back of my truck. I better go see. It was an excuse like that every single time. Everyone. I love that. That is terrific. Wait a minute. I think it flew over here behind this really big oak tree. Hold on one second. I'll be back. Hey, give me two and a half minutes. I'll be back. It'd be longer than that, too, unfortunately. (laughs) Kevin Bowen's with us, so you're going to see, and I guess you guys get to talk to Anthony Richardson this weekend, too, right? Yeah, so Friday and Saturday, Mm -hmm. uh, rookie mini camp, and then I believe he meets the media, I think we were told Saturday, so more of a, you know, hey, talk about your first NFL experience in the field, so that's what it's all about. Um, You know, he'll get these two days this weekend, and then he'll get 13 spring practice sessions around that. The other 13 will be with veterans in May and into June as well, so those will be the opportunities for him to try and I think put himself in a position to where when Shane Steichen starts mapping out a training camp plan, uh, he's getting some first team reps. Yeah. It's, I was uh, talking to Zach Kiefer, and I'd ask him, I said, to me, I've got no brakes on this because he told me to pump the brakes on wanting to get Richardson out there. And I said, listen, the, the clock's ticking on me right here. Punch that clock. I mean, punch that clock, roll with what you believe in, because to me, I want to see this thing get rolling sooner rather than later. And that's kind of how I feel regarding Richardson. How do you feel? Yeah, I'm a believer in baptism by fire. I think you play him as as early as you can. It's not like you need to throw out, you know, Britannica Encyclopedia playbook for him week one. You know, you can dial it back wherever you feel necessary. You know, create plays that he feels super comfortable with and, um, you know, throw them out there. Wins and losses, not the end of the world by any means. Um, and, and I think at times, you know, 13 games in college, like this dude needs to play football. I've said this, you know, endlessly. I, I, there's no position in sports that differs more from practice in a game than, than quarterback. I mean, you literally wear a different colored jersey in practice. Grover Stewart was talking about it today, how he can't you know, get his hands on him in in practice um and i just feel like when you look at guys that have sat you know i have obviously if you look at the best player in the nfl right now he sat his rookie season in patrick mahomes well i think people forget mahomes played over 30 games at texas tech i mean over 30 games and anthony richardson's played 13 so i don't think you want to fall into this trap where you wait too long you get into a trey lance situation you know those would be some of my concerns some of my worries um, to me, I, I, A, I think he's wired in, in the right way to kind of handle adversity. And if he doesn't handle it very well, then I'm, you know, I don't really know if he'll ever kind of be able to reach that, that, that pinnacle level. So I don't have like this big concern over, oh boy, if you throw him out there and it doesn't go well, he might never recover. Um, I think part of it is he realizes there is a lot of growth to his game that needs to occur. It's not like he set the world on fire in college by any means. So I don't think he's going to walk in there. You know, thinking that if he doesn't have any success, it's just the end all for it. So um, I am a fan of uh, of playing him very, very early. 
It's uh, Kevin Bowen, The Morning Show. Kevin and Query, 7 until 10 a.m. Weekday mornings here on The Fans on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. And he's also a big fan of chips and salsa and maybe a little queso there before uh, they bring out whatever you order at La Hacienda on Cinco de Mayo coming up on Friday. Again, 3 until 6 or there longer. Uh, with Heaven Hill Distillery and Luna Azul Tequila coming up on Friday, we'd love to see you all out there. I, I look at it, Chris Ballard, and it, it's still kind of funny to me, and I bet you agree, that there are some people that believe that he's got to string together some wins this season to stay. Now, first, I don't at all, you know, even with a young quarterback, I don't expect things to look as messy and as bad as they did because it was a circus a year ago. So automatically, I think it's going to be get better because of that. But to me, and I don't know if you agree with this or not. I'm assuming you do. I mean, this is a project here. This is a project that's going to get this year. It's going to get a year number two to start to really find the footing. And then that that proof coming up in year number three. So to me, it's three years for Ballard. You got six-year deal with Steichen. I mean, everybody is firmly in place, even with another bad season, correct? Yeah, it, it would have to look, I mean, horrific for it, it to really unfold like that. Because then you get in the awkward situation, John, is, you know, if you fire Ballard, okay, does that new GM that walks in, does he say, well, Shane Steichen wasn't the coach that I hired. You know, I don't want Shane Steichen. Or you just naturally create an awkward dynamic, i.e. Chuck Pagano. And I get that Pagano obviously had been the head coach for, you know, five years or whatever the number was when, when Ballard walked in. And then, of course, he didn't last after that 2017 season. So uh, that that's also just kind of a murky situation you, I think, want to stay away from as well. Uh, but yeah, this is I, I'd be stunned honestly if, if Ballard uh, got canned here anytime soon. I mean, contractually, for what it's worth, I know it didn't matter for Frank Wright, but you know he is under contract. I think it's through 2026, so uh, that obviously would be something that Jim Irsay wouldn't want to go down that path either. Uh, and if you look at the schedule, I mean, not to get too like win lossy in the month of May, but I mean, you do play in the easiest division, the AFC, and then you also play the NFC South this year, which. You know, when you look at that division, I mean, the best quarterback is Derek Carr, and then it's Bryce Young and Desmond Ritter and Baker Mayfield. So it's certainly not, you know, anywhere near what you could be getting from a schedule standpoint. I think Vegas, if I saw correctly, the over-under right now is like six and a half. And, you know, I think a lot of it will depend on does Jim Mercy kind of view this season and almost how the Pacers viewed this year where, uh, hey, the wins are great, but at the same time, we are totally content with making sure that we're – in the right spot with the lottery because by all accounts, this 2024 draft is, is terrific. And, you know, much more than just those two quarterbacks at the top. So it would not be the end of the world whatsoever. If you found yourself in the top five and, you know, the fact that Ursay and I know Ursay has been at two ends of the spectrum. He obviously saw it with Luck's first year. And then he saw it with Peyton's first year um, from a win loss standpoint, 11 wins with luck and, and then three with Peyton. So, I, I tend to think Jim is is definitely going to be patient and you know realizing this is a multi year thing. Yeah, I no question about that too. And I know we're on the same page regarding this being a Steichen pick. I mean, everybody had a voice, but he had the loudest voice. And Kev, that's the way that it should have been. Yeah, I, I was a huge, huge advocate of that. I mentioned it on our show. I tweeted out the night before the draft that, that Shane needs to have the, the most say by far of the big three. Um, I do think there are 
certainly reasons why Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard were big, big Anthony Richardson fans too. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it was like, you know, if you take the top 10 people in that organization, I don't know if all 10 signed off on it. Uh, granted, I don't know if you're ever really going to find um, a pick where all 10 sign off, especially one that I think has such a unique background like Anthony Richardson does. But I think when you're talking about the big three, um, I would think that all three of them were, were, were certainly on the same page. And, you know, Steichen, I think it's fair to ask the question, and I know it's a bit of a hypothetical, but if Raheem Morris is your head coach, if Wink Martindale is your head coach, does Chris Ballard make this draft pick? I don't know. Um, I think the fact that you have Steichen and his background speaks for itself, and then the fact that, you know, no matter what happens, you know, if you had Morris or Martindale and you have this great offensive success, early on that offensive coordinator of yours could leave and take a head coaching job somewhere else. Kind of like we're seeing in really today's NFL where the young hot coordinator offensively seems to be the popular trend for head coaching hires with Shane Steichen's presence here. You aren't going to have that major offensive, you know, turnover at some point, you're going to reach a level of consistency that for however long Anthony Richardson's here and all likelihood, you know, Shane Steichen's here and he's calling the plays and he's, He's running the show. So I think that is a uh, a big part of why you made that hire back in February and yep. you know, probably um, a huge reason why you went that direction. And maybe you don't go that direction if you don't have that offensive-minded head coach. Kevs, it's funny. I, I thought about this the other day because somebody brought it up to me. Let's just say they win in Minnesota on that Saturday, which I think is relatively easy to assume they certainly should have. Same going in Dallas with the way that they crapped themselves in that fourth quarter. You could argue the Washington game. I'm telling you, you get a couple and certainly three more wins, and Saturday's here. Ballard's probably not here, and Anthony Richardson is probably not here. You know how drastically things would be different? Had they won one of those games, especially the one in Minneapolis, that they absolutely should have and they didn't? Yeah, obviously the historical nature to that one. You know, Mike Mike Chapel and I, I, I feel like you can ask him when you have him on um, tomorrow. I feel like I talked him into this, but, you know, him and I were kind of going back and forth in the press room a little bit over the weekend. I think if they beat Philadelphia, Jeff Saturday's here. Like, I, I, to me, if Jalen Hurts doesn't – you know, yeah, I can see that. Zone. I can and see it. Yeah, I, I think the magnitude of that win, beating Sirianni, and and then you just have the trickle down effect. Then you obviously don't have Spike in here, and and maybe you don't feel as comfortable making the the Anthony Richardson, Richardson type pick because maybe you don't view Jalen Hurts in the same light. I know it all sounds crazy, but I'm just trying to nope. picture how Jim Irsay would have reacted to all of that. Um, and, and again, it is we are very early in this process, but if you want to look at the boxes of of hope, of entertainment, and of just a modern approach to football, you are checking now all three of those boxes. And when you had Jeff Saturday and Matt Ryan running out of the tunnel on a weekend, week-out basis to end the year, and I guess Nick Foles got a couple starts there late, uh, you were certainly not checking that box whatsoever. Um, so – you from a again and, and and people might say well you know i don't care about hope i don't care about entertainment those don't really matter to me okay even if you don't just modern wise i mean you now have a chance whether it's the style of your quarterback or more so the age of your quarterback to build something and you were going absolutely nowhere 
especially last year. I think you can make the argument really ever since Andrew Luck retired because um, I don't think you ever really took that that shot. You could call Carson Wentz one of them, but I think Philadelphia told you everything that you needed to know, and, and there's just no real recent example of a team dumping a quarterback and another team picking up that QB and having like five to six years of success. You know, maybe Kirk Cousins, um, but again, I, I, I don't even know if you would classify that as it. So uh, that's why I, I just feel like this is the move that is so needed to inject life in this franchise, and they will be certainly less boring than they were last year. And they, I think, are going down the right path. Now the question is, you know, can he get to an acceptable level as a passer to get there? And I think another element we haven't really talked about, John, with Richardson, his accuracy certainly is, is the biggest topic. But the guy played 13 games in college, and I would argue he was not in many meaningful, meaningful moments um, of like, all right, this is the fourth quarter of a game to get you to the SEC title. Or this is a C.J. Stroud final drive against Georgia, like those sorts of things. You just don't know with, with Richardson, you know, Tennessee, he played really well. LSU, one of his better games, Kentucky against Will Levis, awful Uh, Florida state, you know, Florida's biggest rival didn't play well at all either. So you can probably look at it, you know, both ways of that. I think that is an unknown that we focus so much on his accuracy, but also with how the NFL is, we know how games come down to the fourth quarter. Can that guy deliver for you in those moments? People are going to think this sounds silly, but I am curious. Do you think if, let's just say, Anthony Richardson does not start and the Colts with Gardner Minshew see surprisingly early success, would that be good or bad for this franchise and their long-term quarterback selection? (laughs) Um yeah, I, I don't think it would be the greatest thing in the world, to be totally honest with you. Uh, I I think what you need out of this season is you need Anthony Richardson to show you signs of development, and you need a top-10 pick. And I could argue preferably a top-five pick. Um, I think it's very similar to the Pacers season in that Benedict Mathern showed you something. Tyrese Halliburton certainly showed you even more. But most importantly, you know, we'll find out, I guess, whatever, in two weeks that – you're going to get a top whatever it is, eight pick out of it. And so I think that is where you're at right now because you get into the awkward situation with a successful start by menu, by Menchu, which I know insert your jokes here about successful start to cold seasons, but that would get into, okay, you know, are you turning your back on the veteran guys in that locker room? How do they react to that? I mean, as wild as it sounds, you know, Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, if Trevor Lawrence tears his ACL in mid-September, who's the favorite to win this division? Like, it, does it go to Tennessee? Uh, what, I mean, what is Tennessee's approach? Like, are they going Tannehill? Are they going Levis? Where are they going? Like, all of a sudden, this division becomes like a race to probably eight wins, which I guess is what we thought it was for large chunks of la- last season. But you have no idea because the youthful nature at all the quarterbacks – um, you just kind of turn this division upside down. So, yeah, I, I know it goes against so much of what, you know, competition is about, but, boy, a 3-1, and 4-1 start by Gardner Minshew, yeah, it, it'd be nice to talk about wins versus losses from last season, but I don't think that's exactly what, you'd be want, what you want out of the season considering how massive it is to develop Anthony Richardson. I, I do think that if you want the positive signs, you want 
Anthony Richardson a part of those positive signs. But I also can't deny the fact that, man, this place has been starved for any success. So I'm sure they would probably take that, certainly success-wise, in the moment. Hey, before I let you go, did you see Dewan Jones and that information that why he went into the fourth round and went so late, I guess, was because he said some things in the whole Q&A process about his dream was to play in the NBA, not in the NFL. Anyway, uh, this was ongoing. Albert Breer and others were tweeting about this, and then Dewan Jones himself from Ben Davis uh, tweeted out false. Like, where do you all get this information from? Did you read any of that? I I, I saw just a headline, so he, he Give that to me again. He dropped because he told them his dream. Was yeah, here, here, here's what he said. He said he was uh, mocked by many as a first-round pick in 2023 draft, but he fell to the fourth round. Uh, Jones told teams during the interviews that it was his dream to play in the NBA, not the NFL, which turned off those teams. Uh, it also says he dealt with weight questions and mishandled Senior Bowl and Pro Day, according to Albert Breer. And PFF mocked Jones going 11th overall to the Titans a day before the draft. 33rd team had him as high as 8th overall uh, to the Falcons. Anyway, whatever. Uh, the response from Dewan Jones was saying, this is false. Where do you get your information? Which made me laugh. So, didn't know if you saw it. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was awesome when NFL Network, when he was drafted, how they just showed highlights of him from Ben Davis basketball highlights. Um, I, I thought it was absolutely hilarious, but um, yeah, I, I would, I guess senior bowl questions. I know we kind of opted out of that a little bit earlier uh, weight questions, but hey, I, I would tend to think kind of dream of the NBA. I don't know how much stock I, I would put into that. Agreed. What you guys doing tomorrow morning? Uh, what are we doing? I think we've got, I think we got the Carolina play-by-play voice on. Talk a little Josh Downs. He might be having Josh Downs potentially later mm-hmm. in the week. Um, so hopefully we'll get him on because I do think he's a key key part to it all. Um, and then yeah, I mean as you said, Prefontaine will be stretching in studio for us. Uh, Bart Diggler writes this: Did I miss a lip herpes announcement uh, via YouTube Live inside the lounge? And my response is: I announce all my STDs with authority on this show. Yes. <laughs> Always. Did I miss that? I don't hide from the STDs, Kev. Do you? Well, um, yeah, I, I hopefully am not <laughs> hiding from them. <laughs> I don't believe I have any. So, does, um, does, Ma- yeah. does Maddie ask you why you come on with me every week? Does she question this? Do you think this is a bad decision? I think it's usually my my father in law usually texts me and yeah, is like, bad. "Man, are you are you are you are you sure about that?" But yeah, uh, he he would be a big fan of the La Hacienda action coming up on Friday. I know that. We'll bring him up there. We'll just get him hammered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, perfect. Just bring him on air. <laughs> yeah. Here, drink a couple of these and then come on here. What do you yeah. think? What do you think about your son-in-law? Really? Here's some truth serum. Sure. Tell us what you really think. Yeah, on on Wednesday, you know, I was just talking to your son-in-law about STDs. So yeah, <laughs> here you go. Have a shot of tequila and answer that one. Kevin and Quarry, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. right here on The Fan. Kevin Bowen, we'll see him at La Hacienda on Cinco de Mayo on Friday. Thanks, Kev. All right, see John. Bring your doubting father-in-law, by God. Do that. Bring him. Bring him.
Quick break, and we'll come back. Mark Long, top of the hour. The JMV show is going to be outstanding in September. I'll explain, give you a chance to win tickets to that as well. 93.5107 the fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Excuse me, sir. There's been a little problem in the cockpit. The cockpit? What is it? It's the little room in the front of the plane where the pilots sit. That's not important right now. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Glad YouTube Live. Get in there and you can participate. You know, that's fun because you can watch, you can listen, um, you can make fun of my Coltor. Which is cool with me. I don't care. Do it. And you can participate in conversations and you can be entertained. Vic Barks is funny. Vic Barks is in there right now entertaining. So jump in there. Be entertained. You get more than just me. Like a a double threat. It's like another show. Like a second stage. Remember back during X-Fest years ago? We got a second stage going on. Jim Rose Circus Sideshows over there. The guy's got a ring and a chain going through his scrot, and uh, he's carrying around a concrete block. Uh, should we go see that or watch Bush? <laughs> it's like a second stage, the lounge via YouTube Live. It's awesome. Go ahead and log in and have some fun with everybody. My thanks to Kevin Bowen, Zach Kiefer, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Randy's been on hold for a while. Randy, you got some time. Join me. How are you? Just fine. How are you, Jeremy? Randy, I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking, buddy. All right. Uh, first thing I want to do is give a shout-out to my Pacers. Mel McDaniel, Billy Keller, Rick Mount, Darnell Hillman, Roger Brown, George McGinnis. You got it, buddy. Uh, the ABA Pacers. The ABA Pacers. That's Randy's Pacers. I got you. All of them. Yeah. My uh, grade school basketball coach i'll give a shout out to my pacers how about the 86 pacers with steepo devin durant and bill garnett yes not so much anyway go ahead randy go ahead share with me the aba pacers red white and blue basketballs did you ever play basketball with that red white absolutely did absolutely did because i mean obviously um it was you know that's i i was still too young to really recognize a great deal around but every Three points shall I shot. Billy Keller, Rick Mount. Well, I mean, Darnell Hillman was the first dunker that I ever knew. I mean, the first and elevator, the first dunker that I ever knew. Kid, I was told that he could pick up a dime off the top of the backboard. So, yep. I was told that. It was like, yeah, Darnell Hillman, you can put a dime on the top of the backboard, and he can actually jump up pick that dime off the top. Of you know what, what's so. what's bad about that is I'm so unathletic, I can't pick a dime up if it's sitting on the baseline. <laughs> That's sad. What else yeah, you got, Randy? It is. Well, no, uh, I think Anthony Richards is going to be a really good quarterback, and I agree with you. I think they should. he should be day starter. Look, you picked him number four right. overall. 
you're going to take the number four overall pick and not starting, that don't make no sense at all. Yeah, I, I would I would really have to be proven that this guy is miles, Randy, from being ready to see him not be out there because I'm with you and Kevin and I both agree. Um, I want to see him out there. I, I guess part of me just wants to know that he is ready. He, you know, hopefully he's he's ready even at a young age. I don't want the well, he's young and and you know, I understand. I don't think anybody's going to suggest he's going to roll out there and be great, but just to be ready to go out there, I think that it's meaningful for a lot of folks. Certainly, they're going to have that gauge on from day number one regarding their new quarterback. So I hope so. I really do. Exactly, and football is a team sport. Dan Marino never had got a Super Bowl ring. Jim Kelly never got a Super Bowl ring. He went Super Bowl four years in a row. Jim Plunkett got two Super Bowl rings. He'll never go to (laughs) Randy. Send out love to Jim Plunkett. Send out love to Jim Plunkett, (laughs) Randy. And and, and never got and and never went to the Hall of Fame. Hey, Randy, who else do you want to send out love to? I want you to send out love to a couple of others. You got anybody else on your mind you want to send out love to? Yes, because I've never listened to your music show. Yes. That's a tragic, tragic error. But I guess it is. But the 70s, not just Jim Plunkett, but Jim Croce. Jim Croce as well. Absolutely. Exactly. I love Jim Croce. What, 1973, plane crash, Louisiana? Jim Croce. Yes. Yep. Yes, it was the first record I ever bought. 33 album. It was a 33, and I got it home, and I opened it up, and you slide out the inner cover. Oh, yeah. And there was a picture of his, I don't know, one or two year old son. Yep. In a onesie in yellow. I know what you're talking about. I was um I was a big fan. I mean really time at a bottle, don't mess around with Jim. They they had me with all those those hits. So yeah, bad, bad Operator. Really I think Operator's probably Operator. my favorite song, but yeah. Hey, Actually, hey Randy Yep, I gotta run here. It. Well go ahead. Okay. But I gotta tell you the story. Well I don't I don't know if I have time. I gotta hit a break here. All right, but anyway. You can tell uh, me next time. All right. Hey, Randy, you call anytime. And listen Saturday night, man. Come on. Super Sounds of the 70s after 11. I'll play some Croce for you. Easily. Nah, I like the throwing out love there. Daniel writes this. I want to see Anthony Richardson as a week one starter, but if he isn't ready, I'd rather not rush it. They didn't rush Jalen Hurts or Mahomes, but they did rush Manning and Luck. Listen, if it's something that you can notice, Daniel, I completely understand. But at the same time, I would rather see him out there. I'd rather see him ready to go. So we shall see. Quick break and we'll come back. Thank you, Randy, for the call. Mark Long, top of the hour. Mark for the AP regarding the AFC South will join us. Zach Kiefer, Kevin Bowen a little bit earlier. The podcast, 107.5thefan.com. The JMV show at Brown County Music Center, September the 16th, features Warrant, Lita Ford, and Bullet Boys. Your chance to win tickets coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Listen for one of those artists for your chance to call in and win. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. It's party time! P-A-R-T. Why? Because I gotta! 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I mentioned this during the break. Meekum is back again. I absolutely love Meekum. I've got some VIP experiences we're going to give away for you guys. If you listen to, we'll all go out there and hang. I love it. I am still looking for that 77 Black Pontiac Trans Am. I want to say three years ago I was out there doing that. And three years ago, one went through the auction block and I believe went for $43,000. Needless to say, it wasn't me. I did not have that. But a 77 Black Pontiac Trans Am is what I'm looking for. Let me tell you, though, there are acres of vehicles out there. Meekum.com. Make sure you get your tickets because you're going to save some money on the tickets right now. But you're also going to be able to sign up to be a part of the VIP experience with me, and it's going to be a blast. I love it. I absolutely love it. Scott Hoke's back in town, too, for that. So it is going to be a blast. And it is a spring tradition around here. I did not go a year ago. I don't know if I have been. I'd have to look back. I don't know if I've been since the pandemic. I mean, I'm not like a deeply rooted car guy, but I like him. And much like the music that I enjoy, there's a broad spectrum of vehicles that I like. It may not be the same one every day. Now, it's always going to be the Black Trans Am 1977, the Bandit. It's always going to be that. But it is a fantastic time. So, yeah, Meekum.com. Get your tickets now. And uh, maybe we can do that VIP experience together. Uh, Mark Long of the AP covers the Gators, covers the AFC South. Mark's going to join us at the top of the hour. Chuck is up next at 239-1070. Hello, Chuck. How are you? Good. Go ahead, Chuck. Um. I was trying to win Aerosmith tickets. I called the wrong number. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) You don't have any by chance, do you? Let me see. I got other tickets, but not Aerosmith tickets. How much do you want these Aerosmith tickets, Chuck? Uh, I'd like like to have them. Really? Have you ever seen Aerosmith? Is this the first time, or have you been many times? I went once to Night in the Ruts. When was when was that? In the eighties. Uh that's when um they were kind of messed up. Joe Perry wasn't with the band, so it wasn't very good. Yeah, they were they, the eighties, I think up until you know, up until their rebirth in what, nineteen eighty six, eighty seven, they were a mess in the eighties. Yeah, they were a mess when I saw them. So I wanted to see a good good version of it. So is this gonna be really their last hurrah? Are they really gonna peace out or is this going to be a ploy to get you to come out and watch the fact that it may be the last time on stage, but they'll do it again. What do you think? 
That depends if they run out of money. Yeah. Hey, Chuck, I'm sorry. I do not have Aerosmith Black Crows tickets. Sorry, Chuck. <laughs> Maybe one of these days, I'm assuming we will, but we do have JMV show tickets to give away coming up a little bit later on for you. I have never seen Aerosmith, though. And I probably would go if I got a minute. Just a thought. Yeah. Say we will have Aerosmith tickets to give away uh, the week of May 15th. Ooh, Chuck, I should have hung on board. So we have Aerosmith tickets May the 15th. (laughs) Oops. Sorry about that, Chuck. Hey, JMV, there is a risk starting Minshew. What if he wins? Then how do you pull him to put Richardson in? Richardson needs reps. We were just talking to Todd, who was in studio a little bit earlier. Now, this is like the ultimate. And and I do I'll come down to see you guys just a little bit too. Yep. Do you got you like what I sent you? I do. Oh, cool. That's good stuff. I'll come down and see you. By the way. Yes. Come uh, on. Was it Chuck that wanted Aerosmith tickets? Yes, Chuck wanted Aerosmith tickets. Two three nine ninety three ninety three. Oh, is that who they, were they giving them away downstairs? Cameron Nigel. Yeah. Oh, they are? So I got Aerosmith tickets coming up when? Next week? Uh May fifteenth. May fifteenth. He called the wrong number. He got screwed out of that, he didn't did he? He did get screwed. That's too bad. Yeah. Sorry, right. Chuck. Sorry, Chuck. A couple of weeks for you, Chuck. No, to answer the question, though, regarding Minshew, and, and Todd came in here a little bit earlier and said, hey, you know, what if Minshew were to lead this team to a surprisingly higher level of play? And I think he even talked about going into the postseason. I can sit here and tell you, Like, I wouldn't want to take that away from people considering how long you've been waiting around for it. And just the the interjection in this this case of any any juice, any excitement whatsoever. But at the same time, this tweet is accurate. Uh, That is all at the risk of derailing early reps, early experience, for the guy that's supposed to be the long-term future. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they need to have a top five pick. And I know everybody's thinking about Marvin Harrison Jr. If they, you know, get in the land of a top five pick. Because success is really necessary at some point around here because people are going to get tired of it. If they're not already tired of it. But to me, it just seems like you want to know if you're a Colts fan that the quarterback that they drafted is on a faster track than just me saying, well, it may be half the season. Well, it may be a lot of the season. You know, the argument of Mahomes, I mean, whatever. You could, Kevin made the argument of Mahomes at Texas Tech starting games. You could also make the argument that Mahomes, you have to see all that was put around Mahomes for success and early success. I mean, that's what needs to be thought about around here. Is that, you know, how can you help out the talent of the quarterback with talent around him? And don't get me wrong, there is some. But when you compare, you know, the Mahomes factor to to what we're about to witness here, I would just rather see this guy start taking those reps sooner rather than later. I like Gardner Minshew, and Gardner Minshew probably could win some games considering the schedule they're going to have. But would it be at the detriment of the long term? I think you can't seriously make the argument that it would. 
Yeah, BK Holiday says, is this what you're looking for? BK, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Right there. Black Trans Am, that thing's awesome. Uh, JMV, it blows me away that I've been to probably less than 10 concerts in my life, and two of them are Pearl Jam and Aerosmith, and you've been to neither. That's weird. And I've seen some bands, I've seen artists that you'd go, whoa. But I have not seen Pearl Jam nor Aerosmith. Really, I should have seen Pearl Jam when Lollapalooza, I think it was the second year of Lollapalooza. I think they were on that back in maybe 93, something like that. 92, maybe. It was 92. That's where I should have seen. We all should have seen Pearl Jam. That's where we should have all seen Rage Against the Machine. Is there. I'm sure they're really they're still really good now, but it was still kind of just different then, right? We were younger, they were younger. Get more of a raw early stage look at it than the way that it is now. But I have seen neither, and apparently we got tickets for you coming up in a couple of weeks for Aerosmith down at Cambridge Fieldhouse. Peace out tour. Hey, five o'clock hour, the JMV show, Warrant, Lita Ford, Bullet Boys. Round County Music Center. Get your chance to win tickets when you hear a re-entry from one of those artists coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. That's your chance to win. A long, hard look at the AFC South, including somebody that also covers the Gators, with that look being Anthony Richardson. It's Mark Long. Mark Long of the AP is going to join us next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Have you ever killed anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. 93.5 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Zach Key for The Athletic. Kevin Bowen. Podcast 107.5. TheFan.com. Ian Eagle earlier in the week from CBS and TNT was very good. Anthony Richardson last week. Just uh, a couple of the podcasts you can download and listen to if you missed any of it inside the lounge via YouTube Live. We were having a spirited conversation during the break right there. I would advise you to jump in and check it out again. That is the lounge. It's the Ride with JMV YouTube Live. It's just a different twist and a little bit more versatile in terms of letting you be involved. Obviously, I'd love for you to listen radio-wise, stream, app, HD radio, but YouTube Live, The Ride with JMV, it can give you an added layer of entertainment, sometimes a level of entertainment that you may not exactly be looking for, but at the end of the day, you're going to be glad you're a part of it. The Ride with JMV inside the lounge. The JMV show, Brown County Music Center, coming up in September. Warrant, Bullet Boys, Lita Ford, re-entry song from one of those artists. We'll get you a pair of tickets coming up a little bit later on in the show. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, writer for basically everything football in Florida, in and around the Jacksonville and the Gainesville area 
from the AP. Mark Long joins us, and his latest is a podcast as well regarding what was a huge night that we all saw, all witnessed around here a week ago, almost Thursday, for Anthony Richardson being number four overall to the Colts. And Mark Long joins us to talk about that and more now. Mark, thank you for the time. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? All right. We've talked about this. I had Anthony Richardson on the show on Friday. Um, I was, I thought he was an enjoyable conversation, to say the least. But translation-wise, how quickly do you think it will take a 20, soon-to-be 21-year-old to be NFL ready? Do you think he starts in week one, Mark, from what you have seen out of that 13-game experience? Or might it take a little bit longer here? I mean, how much longer, you know, could he really wait? You know, when you're talking about the fourth overall pick, we've we lived this in Jacksonville. Go back and uh, Blake Bortles was a third overall pick in whatever year that was, 2015, I believe it was. And they insisted, well, you know, Blake's going to sit, Blake's going to sit, Blake's going to sit. Chad Henney started the season. Three games in, you know, he's just getting blown up and turning the ball over and not getting anything done, and they switched to – they switched to guard or to, they switched to Blake Bortles. So that's that's what you're in the same boat here. You know, you can say all you want to Gardner Minshew, blah blah blah. Eventually, Anthony Richardson is going to be the starter. I don't know what 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 are you waiting for? What would you you just going to wait for it to implode? You're going to wait for you know for Gardner Minshew to you know knock you out of a game before you you make the move. I think you're better off just throwing him out there. Clearly, you think he's the guy. He's your franchise quarterback. This guy started games. He's played high-level games against high-level opponents. Uh, get him out there. Get him ready, and and see what he can do from day one. I don't think you're gonna. I don't think you gain anything from coddling him. Not when you've got when your quarterback options are Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew, two guys we've seen in Jacksonville pretty well. Uh, you know, it'd be one thing if you're sitting there, if you're you're you know the Titans, and you're sitting there with with you know with. Candy Hill, a guy who's gotten you to the playoffs several times, and you know, and you drafted Will Levis in the second round. That may be a different situation, but in this situation with Indy, I would start him from day one and uh, see what he's got. It's a Mark Long who has covered the Gators, covered Anthony Richardson, covered the AFC South, specifically Jacksonville and the Jaguars on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Of course, we've gone over it time and time again, the good and the bad from the 13 games quarterback by Anthony Richardson for the Florida Gators. You're at a much closer vantage point, viewpoint studied it a lot more than we have. Is there something that is not being portrayed in either the positive or the negative that you have heard nationally regarding Anthony Richardson and his translation at what's going to be a 21-year-old quarterback in week number one, his translation to the NFL level? Is there something that we're not aware of at this point? No, I I think the guy's been, you know, dissected and analyzed and criticized and and uh, prophesized, you know, about as as much as anybody in recent memory for a draft. Maybe even, you know, you know, Trevor Lawrence was a guy, you know, everybody knew was going to be the number one pick. I think he's been more scrutinized than that. So everybody said, you know, pick the Anthony apart. I think this. I think he's had enormous pressure from from day one and dealt with it really well at Florida. When you're talking about a Gainesville kid who grew up watching the Gators. And, you know, the Gators had him on their radar when he was 
16, 17 years old, and then he blossoms into this stud quarterback and was a great uh, recruit for, for Dan Mullen. And then people were clamoring for him, you know, as a freshman. And then when he did get on the field, the things he did were, you know, off the charts. So you saw what basically what an NFL evaluator saw. You saw everything the Colts fell in love with. And then he didn't perform when he did finally become the starter under Billy Napier. He didn't necessarily perform like people thought. There were certainly a lot of highs, but there were a a number of lows. That's that's the stuff that everybody's talked about, right? Can he become a consistent passer? You know, can he be effective running the ball? You know, is he Cam Newton? You know, that's obviously the comp, and he welcomes that comp because that's the guy he grew up idolizing, and he does kind of pattern his game a little bit after Cam Newton. So, you know, all those things you see, I will say this, he's unbelievably loyal, and that bodes well for him. He stuck at Florida, even though he had opportunities to to jump in the portal and play elsewhere. He stuck with his agent, even though he had an $800,000 offer to go to another agent. He, the guys he's put around him are all local guys, people he's worked with, from his trainers to his quarterback coach to his agent, you know, people he's dealt with for years. So that loyalty, I think, is 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 going to – that'll pay off at some point for the Indianapolis Colts and their fan base because clearly this is a guy who uh, builds bonds and builds ties with people around him, and he's going to do that with the city up there. Did he um, think at all, just past the barely thinking stage, I guess, in this case, about hitting the transfer portal? Was that ever even slightly a consideration? Oh, sure. No, no question about it. Uh, you know, he came back and when Dan, you figure Dan Mullen, the guy you commit to, you want to play for, when Dan Mullen gets fired, yeah, there's no question he contemplated jumping in the portal and, you know, going and seeing what else is out there. Emory Jones was coming back. So the starting quarterback's coming back. There's a new coach in town who didn't recruit you. And you got scooters out there you know, who are willing to pay you to come to their school. He absolutely considered it and then thought better of it. And, you know, I think for him, it's like, how do you turn your back on the community, the you know, your friends, your family, and the community of Gainesville that you've donated so much time and effort in? How do you turn your back on them and go play somewhere else? It was never, I don't think it was ever a real strong consideration, but it certainly was a consideration. How do you not when, right. when people are flashing the kind of money that, is running around in NIL circles for quarterbacks. Mark Long of the AP covers not just Florida and the Gators, but Jacksonville, the rest of the AFC South, was with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. You look at now the landscape of the AFC South, and you cover Trevor Lawrence down there, but what do you think about Houston, Tennessee, and the Colts with the quarterback work they did this past week? Yeah, it's very clear that they're all chasing Jacksonville. You've seen what Trevor Lawrence has done in Jacksonville. You've had a very Midland franchise for the better part of 20 years. Sure, there was that 2017 run that was very defensive-based with Blake Bortles at quarterback. And, um, you know, they, they've turned the corner now with Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence and the pieces they've put around him. And I think you, you can't look at that and not say, you know, we got to fix this, especially when you're the Colts. And I think it's, what was it? Five different quarterbacks in the last five seasons. You're looking at, you know, Tennessee that's built around Ryan Tannehill and a 
30-plus-year-old Derrick Henry or 29-year-old Derrick Henry who's certainly got a lot of miles on his leg. And you look at Houston's obviously in complete rebuild mode after the Deshaun Watson fiasco. So, you know, they're, they all looked at it and saw the same thing. Jacksonville's getting away. And the way you catch up and the way you sustain catching up and competing with them is to land the, the most important position in, in all of team sports, which is that quarterback. So they all went out and did it. Um, obviously, you know, Houston doubled down and, you know, took the best, one of the best defensive players in the draft as well. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But I think all three of them at least give their fan bases hope that now, maybe not in year one, but certainly in year two, like in Jacksonville's case, or maybe even year three, you're going to have this thing figured out. If you've got the right coach, you've got the right quarterback, it makes it a lot easier for everything else around it. You have a bigger margin for error, and that's what these teams didn't have. You didn't have that when you're changing quarterbacks every year in Indy. You don't have that with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, and you certainly don't have that in, with Davis Mills in in uh, Houston. So fix that, and then everything else usually tends to fall in place, or at least it becomes a lot easier to hide your – weaknesses and your mistakes hey, mark in jacksonville too it seems like anything would have been better than urban meyer honestly but it seems like that they absolutely hit the right note with doug peterson um do you think that he was the absolute best coach for the progression that we have clearly seen under center for trevor lawrence yeah i don't think there's any question about it and uh, you know we've talked to doug peterson about it ad nauseum and we've talked to owner shot con about it a bunch and you know trying to figure out what took the jags i mean they almost screwed this thing up let's if you go back they doug peterson was the first guy they interviewed right after they fired urban meyer because he was out of a job and available and then they didn't circle back to doug peterson for 50 days they circled back and interviewed doug a second time after they got turned down by nate hackett who took the job in denver after, you know, it fell through with Byron Leftwich, they were going to hire him as the offensive coordinator at Tampa Bay. And, you know, you look at those, how that has played out now. Hackett gets fired after, in his first season, and Byron Leftwich is, you know, basically getting run out of Tampa. I mean, people were so down on him last year. So that's what it could have been in Jacksonville, another mistake. And they really probably got lucky here with the way it unfolded and to land back at Peterson. And you go through Peterson's track record, you know, with him, he got the best out of Carson Wentz. He won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. We've seen Carson Wentz in, in Indianapolis. We've seen Nick Foles in Jacksonville, you know, and now Indianapolis. Those guys, that's winning, winning big games with those guys. That's a feat. So Doug Peterson probably didn't get enough credit for what he did in Philadelphia. And then as Doug puts it, he's like, everybody's looking for the shiny new penny, right? So he understands how, you know, at 54 years old, 53 years old, he's getting over, he's getting overlooked for guys like Byron Leftwich and Nate Hackett, much younger guys who are offensive corners, up-and-coming offensive corners, because that's what everybody's looking for, right? And so, you know, I think it worked out for Jacksonville. There's no doubt about it. Trevor Lawrence is, is all in, and this team's all in on Doug Peterson, what they got going. And I think a big part of it is they're going to, for the most part, return the entire coaching staff. I think they have one, they lost their receivers coach and they replaced their receivers coach. But other than that, everybody from last season is going to return. And that, that really speaks volumes to have that kind of continuity 
for the players year in to year out and to be in the same system with the same terminology from you know year one to year two that's that's where you make that big jump yeah and that's the jags need to make a big jump to close the gap on cincinnati and kansas city yeah and it's it's something you, you hadn't seen even in in 2017 i i'm reminded of i think it was 2017 when the jags went to the afc title game right yeah. and it was yeah the colts had a season like that in 95 or it was just kind of out of nowhere it was a comet and you just kind of at the tail end of the regular season jumped on and went along for about a three-week ride that was was something around here that nobody had ever seen. Now, they'd seen in Jacksonville some success in the past, but you know that was kind of like one of these comets. But now it's like the foundation is laid down there for a long period of time. And with that foundation, you've got to have a good offseason. You've got to have a good offseason in terms of what you do for the agency in bringing in and letting go and in terms of the draft. So how would you view the work that they have done in the offseason so far there? Yeah, probably an incomplete right now because the two biggest areas of need, they had to get a pass rusher. If you go back to last season, the lingering memory for the Jacksonville Jaguars, yes, they came from behind and had some a lot of great wins down the stretch. They knocked Tennessee out of the playoffs. All these things, uh, the Chargers knocked the Chargers out in the first round of the playoffs. But the lingering memory of that season is going to be they they hobbled Patrick Mahomes, knocked him out of the game. He comes back all taped up with a badly sprained right ankle, and then they couldn't get to him. He's on one leg running around, and they still can't get to him. So they had to get a pass rusher, and they didn't do it. They needed a nickel cornerback. They didn't do it. So they addressed pass rush in the fifth round of, you know, really the fourth and fifth round, but really the fifth round with outside linebacker out of Louisville, and then they, they don't address cornerback until the sixth round. So that part's a little head-scratching that here you those are your big needs. But I, what they did was they doubled down, tripled down really on Trevor Lawrence. They added an offensive tackle, a tight end, and a running back and said their first three picks and said, we're going to get better offensively. Everybody thinks we need to get better defensively, but we're going to get better offensively. We added, you know, they re-signed Evan Ingram or at least tagged him, and they're working to re-sign him. They bring in. They made a trade late last year in you know November for Calvin Ridley. They're going to add Calvin Ridley, a fourteen hundred yard receiver, to the mix to maybe be that deep threat that they're missing. So they add Tank, you know Tank Bigsby in the third round. They add a fullback, all in hopes of being better on short yards. That was a big uh, weakness of of that team last year. Was they were not very good on third and one, third and short, fourth and short. So they. They added a lot of pieces that continue to build an offense, which is a little bit of a surprise. The question is, can that can you can you, can you be a good enough to outscore Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Kansas City when it matters? So Mark Long of the AP covers Jacksonville, the AFC South, and the Florida Gators with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I don't know if I've ever asked anybody this question because it was almost like it was out of sight, out of mind for Calvin Ridley during that suspension but now as you mentioned he's with the team that you cover in Jacksonville how much interest lead wide was there in him where he ultimately ends up with the team you cover in Jacksonville that's a good question we don't know that we don't you know Atlanta and Jacksonville neither one Jacksonville didn't know what other interest was out there they knew he got put on the trading block but they didn't know who else was vying for him right uh, so, you know, and Atlanta hasn't come out and said, you know, how many teams 
they had beaten down the door for him. I think two couple things. A, it helped that Jacksonville had draft capital to, to trade for him. B, they had the salary cap space to take him on. Not that he's huge, you know, $9 million, but, you know, it's really a one-year prove-it deal, and they're going to have to pay him if he's any good. Not only that, they got to pay Trevor Lawrence next year. So they have, you know, the, the belief that they're that this is a long-term fit. And then he, for, for him, not that he had any control over it, but this is a guy from Miami who played at Alabama, drafted by the Falcons. This is a, you know, a little bit of a Florida kid. And so for him to land in Jacksonville, where, close to where he was working out with his family down south in, in Miami area, Fort Lauderdale, that was big for him. So I think a lot of it was all, you know, was kind of a perfect storm. And then the Jags had a – the other thing was the Jags had a, a guy on their staff who had spent the previous 12 years in Atlanta. So all of a sudden you got a guy in-house who drafted – uh, Calvin Ridley, who knows everything about him and knew exactly what happened, the details maybe that weren't public knowledge, and maybe some background on what kind of character you're adding to a team. All those, I think it was kind of the perfect storm for him to land in Jacksonville. Yeah, it just seems like I, I liked what they did a year ago uh, in free agency, and I know they were widely panned for the amount of money they paid Christian Kirk. But I look at it in terms of not just production individually, Mark, but production in terms of the team, what it did to help that team more potent offensively. To me, you can't argue it. And to me, if you're a team that you know is on the verge and you believe with your quarterback, you go out and pay your skill position guys some money, just like Jacksonville did. I don't know if that's going to happen as often um, as I believe it should, but to me, it absolutely should. That's just the moral of the story from what I witnessed and you witnessed with Kirk a year ago and helping out offensively that Jacksonville team. Yeah, and they, they, they've figured out, that, and they've made this very public, that they need to build through the draft. That's their biggest failure, right. why this team isn't where the Colts were back in the day where maybe the Titans have been more recently, is they didn't build through the draft. They, they supplemented. Even go back to that 2017 team. That 2017 team was really good defensively because it signed Calais Campbell and it signed A.J. Boye and it signed you know uh, uh, Gibson at safety and it was one other one, Mile. Um, anyway, Malik Jackson at defense. They had signed four big-time defensive players on that team. So that's why that team got good, really. And it was a flash in the pan, as you mentioned. And even this team with that receiving core with Kirk and Jones, Zay Jones, both of them, you know, have had a ton of catches last year, both over 80. So that part is not very sustainable. You got to be able to draft guys and retain them. Uh, What they did do, you know, with Ridley is, you know, Ridley's on a rookie deal. So that's going to help. And maybe you re-sign him. It's not, you know, not as bad as overpaying in free agency. So that's where they got to get better is is drafting and then retaining their draft picks. They have not done a good job of that over the years, but it has looked better the last two years. They've gotten pretty good contributions. Obviously, the quarterback, and then the same year, Travis Etienne, their their workhorse running back. Those two guys have hopefully, for the Jags' sake, turned the corner here, throw in. You know, they're starting cornerback, Tyson Campbell, starting safety, Andre Sisco. There are certainly some draft picks in the mix now who uh, look to be long-term pieces of uh, 
of the build. That's uh, Mark Long of the AP. He covers the Jags, the AFC South, and the Florida Gators with really a top-to-bottom sketch for you regarding the upside that he believes in Anthony Richardson and especially playing early in Jacksonville and the rest of the AFC South, directionally where they're going. Mark's kind enough to join us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Mark, I appreciate that. That's great information, and uh, we'll do it again, I'm sure, coming up in the offseason. Enjoy your time down in Jacksonville. Sounds good. Thanks for having me anytime. You got it. Mark Long right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Rock Yassin has a new place. A year ago, he was the top cornerback in Vegas. Of course, traded for a guy that's going to be no longer here, too, and unique in Gakwe. According to Adam Schefter, within an hour or so ago, he under he did undergo a surgery. Check that. I'm sorry. My bad. Underwent uh, physical today. And he is expected to reach an agreement on a one-year deal with the Baltimore Ravens. Again, that's according to Adam Schefter. So after a physical, not a surgery, a physical, Rock Yassin is going to play next year in Baltimore in that secondary for the Ravens. All right, 239-1070. I've got time for you the rest of the way. So make sure you're on board. 239-1070. Talk about whatever you want to hit. Kevin Bowen, Zach Kiefer, Mark Long on the show today. The podcast 107.5thefan.com. I think John McClain's tomorrow. I think Chapel's going to be tomorrow, too. And then our Cinco de Mayo celebration is at La Hacienda, Fox Road, northeast side, Geist, coming up on Friday. And I want to see everybody there. Now, I'm told, I'm told this place is going to be absolutely packed. But let's make it packed with listeners of this show and hopefully a lot of the people i work with i have put out a blanket invite to everybody here to join us luna Zul tequila will bring us to you from la hacienda with brent halverson coming up on friday as we celebrate cinco de mayo give you an opportunity to win jmv show tickets coming up here before the end of this show as well warrant lita ford and Bullet Boys, Brown County Music Center, September the 16th. When you hear a reentry from those two bands or Lita Ford, number nine is going to win a pair of tickets to attend. We're going to make a weekend out of that down in Brown County coming up September the 16th. That is on a Saturday. We'll give you a chance to win those tickets before the end of the show. And your calls on the other side at 239 1070. Next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Well, we're waiting. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. So crank this up really quick, would you? Thank you, James. Uh, this used to be back on Mark Patrick on Sports, the closing Friday re-entry song, The Spinners and Rubber Band Man. 
give a shout out. The 2023 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame includes the greatness of the spinners. Uh, the nominees or inductees, if you will, were announced today. Willie Nelson is a part of this class. Kate Bush, Missy Elliott, George Michael, I believe, was a fan vote. Cheryl Crow and the awesome Rage Against the Machine. All a part of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I believe that show is November the 3rd, uh, Barclays Center in Brooklyn. But now, seriously, shout out to everybody. There is not anybody in that class that I don't like. And rarely am I going to find somebody that I don't like. Uh, if there's one thing that you know, I, I have a very diverse palette for music. I like a lot. There's some I don't, but I normally like a lot. Old, new. But I like this group. Yeah, Kate Bush was outstanding before Stranger Things. Uh, we actually highlighted Kate Bush before Stranger Things. Man, I love the spinners, though. Every time I hear that song, Rubber Band Man, I still think back to when I'm working with Mark Patrick, and that means it is Friday and we're ready to go home. <laughs> A lot of you old schoolers out there that listen to me, even in those days, probably feel the same way. So the spinners, Willie Nelson, Kate Bush, Missy Elliott, George Michael, Cheryl Crow, and De La Roca, Morello, and Rage Against the Machine. All members of the 2023 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class. Nice. 239-1070. Justin is up next today. Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, we're talking about Anthony Richards starting. Um I have something I haven't heard anybody talk about. I wanted to see what your opinion was. Yep. I want to see him start. I want to see the line with him. I want to see him get that mix with the center, guards that don't run downfield too early, receivers that learn to come back. My quarterback's in trouble. He's going to run to this direction. He's going to do this. What do you think? How important is that? Uh, Listen, I, I think it's incredibly important, and I'll give you a couple of reasons why. I think the belief in this offensive line, and not because they went out and made any sort of changes, certainly no wholesale changes, but their belief in sticking with it is because of the new offense that's coming in. It's because Shane Steichen is coming in. It's because Tony Sperano Jr. is their new position coach. Their belief is there. Uh, their belief is also in a mobile quarterback being able to help this offensive line out. This belief also is that they're not as bad as they looked a year ago because there was no mobility, there was no escapability, and there was really even less arm strength in terms of Matt Ryan. And also this, if you're just talking about a quarterback that snaps and releases, one of the better years we have seen with most of this group, really it's the season that got this group paid, was that season with Phillip Rivers. And it was snapped, and that ball was gone. They look good. They just haven't looked good in having to protect very long. So, yes, mobile, escapable, arm strength, you know, across the board. It is more right now, honestly, Justin, hope 
than it is anything else, but that's certainly what they're thinking on West 56th about that offensive line. And that's what I want to see. I want to see that those guys can move with them. We're not going to see these linemen downfield, somebody who can slide down the line with them. I want to see that before Ursay starts signing contracts again. Well, and and you are. I, I think you will. Justin, thank you for the call. You will see it. That is hope. They got their fingers crossed on Bernard Ryman at left tackle. Put your fingers crossed to more of a degree at center with Ryan Kelly and really with Braden Smith. I mean, seriously, when you look at it and you don't have a right guard, when you look at it, there is a lot more hope than there is evidence that that thing can be better. But that's their belief. Donk, the other night, made it on to the JMV takeover. And he joins us now at 239-1070. That was a job well done last Friday night, Donk. Good afternoon, John, and good afternoon to the thousands, and I mean thousands of Donkamaniacs out there. Hey, John, we got a lot of draft picks this, this year. And one thing about the Pacers, uh, Pacers last year I did not like is Sticks was not cutting the job at the four, man. Dude, what I'm thinking is we use one of our later draft picks and there's a great big old Pollock from Duke, the Filipowski kid, dude. I think he may come in, get a double double, man. What do you think about that? He's a, he's going back to Duke. Nah. Yeah. What about his his other brother, the crazy kid? I <laughs> know. <laughs> yeah, no, Philip. He's going back to Duke. I believe, unless I'm, I believe I'm accurate on that. Man, good God, we need a power forward, brother. I'm serious, man. Who's out there that we can get? Well, in terms of of Donk, what the you know the most common name that is brought up is a guy like Ananobi. He's not a power forward. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to place him in that category. But what they need is somebody that's athletic that can play on the wing. They they need so much help defensively. To me, I, I think that's what you want to add. You want to add somebody that's a higher level talent, but you want to make sure that they bring defense with them because they don't play much of it right now, and they're going to have to learn None. to do that. And that's that's problematic for this team. That's one of the issues that they're going to have to deal with coming up this offseason. And it's something we don't talk about that often. It's defense because they were horrible last year. So uh, that's why when people bring up Ananobi, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, I certainly do know that it makes sense in terms of what they would need, especially somebody that's able to go out on the wing, somebody who's long and athletic and is able to guard. So man, they, that's what I think Jordan about. Clarkson as well, man. Jordan Clarkson. Dude, he'd be a good fit. Anyway, dude. Last thing, Cinco yes. de Mayo is not a real holiday. Made up by the beer companies. Out. But I just want to have a party, brother. I don't care. <laughs> okay, what happens? I just want to be a part of a party. I want to have some fun. I don't know how much longer, like, what am I, 53 right now? And I'm talking about wanting to see some winning. Like everybody else around here that doesn't mind blowing stuff up or long-term rebels or top five picks or it's okay that you suck, they don't consider people like me. We're all on the clock right now. Generation X, we're on the clock. So let's get these asses to winning. And when a party 
presents itself. When it presents an opportunity, let's go with it. Yeah, I don't care if it's made up by a company. I don't care. Let's do it. We no longer can turn down winning. We no longer can turn down fun. Let's not do that. Generation X, are you with me on that? You believe our generation is in its 50s right now? Or at least a lot of it is? Oh, that's a true story right there. AJ, before the break, jump on here. How are you? Hey, guys. How you doing? Great. Go ahead. I got two questions. So, first off, have you ever seen the big cozy? The cozy? Um, I don't think so. I'm, I'm trying to think about what you're talking about right here. I don't think so. I guess not. He's a basketball player. He's like a Division three. He's like 6'8", 350 pounds, and he starts. I have not seen this, no. <laughs> you got to check it out. It's cool. But um, my question is, is with Ballard, um, since he held Pat at four, and he didn't go for one of the top two quarterbacks, he didn't sign any free big-time free agents, um, that doesn't sound like somebody to me who takes his job is on the line. Do you it, think Ursay is giving him more of a lot of, like a couple of years that since AR-15 is going to take two or three yeah, years? Yeah, he's not. Sure? Yeah, AJ, he's, I've said this all along too. He's not going anywhere. He's going to have. Yeah, he's going to have. Know. He's going to have three years to get all this figured out. And and this is not somebody that's been a soft touch regarding. I mean, he know everybody knows where I've stood on that, but there's no reason to continue to shake the fist and pound the table on it because he is at the lead and he's going to have three years this year, next year, and then a third year to get this thing to where it needs to be. So that that is the conclusion. Unless, I will say this, AJ, if this season is an absolute comical disaster, which I don't think it's going to be. But if it is, maybe you rethink that. But nah, he's not going anywhere. He's got three years to figure this out. Yeah, I hope so. I think he's a, I think he's a smart dude. But the, yeah, check out that big cozy. <laughs> I will check it out. I didn't really know what he was talking about right there. Just somebody will show me. Yeah, they believe Ryman. They believe slash hope and you hope that he is the left tackle. He is capable at left tackle. There is a lot of hope there. But when you consider this offensive line, and much of which is going to stay the same other than a new right guard somewhere, somehow, at some time, some point, they believe offensive philosophy the mobility of a quarterback, and I mean really even the mobility of a Minshew over the absolute lack of mobility, lack of escapability, lack of arm strength that was a year ago. I mean, it was it was a mess. Now, I don't know if that speaks volumes about the level of versatility for this offensive line, and in fact it doesn't, but that is a lot of their belief in this group going into 2023. If you're on hold, I'll get back to you for a final time. Zach Kiefer, Kevin Bowen, Mark Long, podcast 1075thefan.com. I'm in for a party regardless. You guys inside the lounge via YouTube Live, you guys agree with me on this? We're just in for a party. Friday is going to be fun. Cinco de Mayo, Luna Azul Tequila, La Hacienda. And people tell me this. Is this true? Geist folks, northeast side, that their food is outstanding. Now, I go back, and I've mentioned this before. 
my days in Bloomington, I go back to, and everybody's going to say, well, it was a chain, but we love Chi-Chi's. There was a place called Bandito's in Bloomington that we loved. I mean, really, Taco Tuesday at Taco John's, great. But anybody remember down in Bloomington, if you went to IU, Poncho's Via. Poncho's Via was outstanding back in the day. Mm, True story. But everybody tells me La Hacienda is legit. That's where we're going to be. Cinco de Mayo, Luna Azul Tequila, Brent Halverson, and all of our friends coming up on Friday. Uh, Your chance to win some tickets to the JMV show. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we'll close out with your phone calls and more coming up. 93.5-1075, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. One of the greater song titles of all time would be Smooth Up In Ya. <laughs> what do you think? The Bullet Boys are sitting around, little brainstorming session on songwriting, and who comes up? Wait, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. I've got, um, how about Smooth Up In Ya? Uh, is it unanimous? What do you guys think about Smooth Up In Ya? It's kind of the same thing that Coverdale came up with with Whitesnake. Uh, okay, uh, what about, um, I was thinking about calling this song Slide It In. What do you think? <laughs> Beautiful. Bullet Boys lead a Ford and the headliners warrant September the 16th, Brown County Music Center. And a pair of tickets to number nine at 239-1070 right now. That is a JMV show. Smooth up in ya. Brilliant. Collinsworth, he's one of the Smiley Bros. All the Dave Smiley Bros of the Smiley Morning Show will be at uh, La Hacienda coming up on Friday. He says La Hacienda has no taco casita in Terre Haute. Looking forward to partying with Indy's number one DJ, indeed. Make sure that Smiley sees that. Chris Rodriguez says Taco Tuesday at Don Pablo's was great. I was a fan of Don Pablo's. I was. Pancho's Via in Bloomington was legit. But I know everybody went to Taco Tuesday at Taco John's. You just kind of had to in Bloomington then. Uh, Jamvi, one of my friends still thinks it says smooth opinion. (laughs) Smooth up in you. All right, fellas, what do you think? Smooth up in you? Let's go with that. Hey, Matthew and Maine's coming this weekend, too, which I think is absolutely outstanding. 
This is from Brett. Hey, JMV probably has been to more concerts than he has seen movies in a theater. I will say this, Brett, up until September 21st, 1999, I really went all the time. I went all the time, and I can remember every theater that I ever saw a movie. I can tell you where I saw that movie, what theater, every one. I've just been on hiatus for the last, it's going to be 24 years. 24 years coming up in September since I've been to a movie theater. That is a hell of a run. 24 years. We probably are approaching that depth, though, Brett. Seriously. Bill's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Bill. How are you? Jamby, how are you doing today? I'm approaching 24 years without being to a movie theater. That's outstanding. The last movie theater was actually uh, sat in the front row and everything and had popcorn in his lap and everything. And you can imagine what the... People ran out of that uh, theater in, in absolute terror. But, but anyway, hey, uh, Mexican restaurants uh, in town, it's not here anymore, but El Sol del Tala, if anybody remembers that place, it was on East Washington Street. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that was, that was a great, that was a storied place years yeah, ago, it was. It was, it was, and, it was a grocery, so, so it was there was, there was another chain called Casa, Casa Gallardo that we, we came up on a field trip from Greene County in 1987 or 88 and went to the uh, Museum of Art, which is weird. Hey, let's go to the Museum of Art. We're from Greene County. Um, we come up here, and that's where we, we ate lunch at Casa Gallardo. So it was on West 38th Street Road. then. So Yeah. Hey, I just wanted to uh, uh, say there's the three oldest players uh, to ever play in the playoffs uh, are, number one, Udonis Haslin. 42, yep. and Andre Iguodala and, and LeBron at 38. Udonis Haslam, he, he doesn't play that much, but I got a feeling that he's going to come in in some game and make like a heady vet, veteran player a couple that uh, will allow him to ride off into the sunset. But 42 years old, man, my hat's off to him. And he he frustrated the Pacers a lot. And he was, he was the strong guy. You know, LeBron would not have won a – championship in Miami without Udonis Haslam because he was the one that kind of was the uh, he, he was a tough guy and everything that kind of protected Bosch and Dwayne Wade so hats off to him man I hope he makes it to the Hall of Fame yeah that's um that's interesting that lineup you just gave as far as the age is concerned I LeBron James I, I don't like the Lakers um but watching him like let the load be carried by others but if he needs to shoulder it in the moment, taking it over, uh, at the age of 38, it's absolutely amazing to me. It is. He is. If he, if he comes back next year, I wouldn't be surprised. And Andre Iguodala also getting getting some serious minutes, at, I think, with the Golden State, if I'm not uh, – Yeah, he's, not on, mistaken, he's on the bench so. in dress clothes for the Warriors, yeah. Oh, he is? Okay, yep. well, he's getting meaningful dress clothes minutes. So, But yeah. anyway, he's, he's in a roster and getting paid, man. You and got everybody, it. it's gonna it's gonna be money well spent on Friday at La Hacienda on Fox Road. And man, uh, I got clearance from my doctor that uh, I can have a margarita. I just can't have salt at the rim. <laughs> well, you know that the samples are going to be flowing. You know how we go with Brent Holverson. So be ready, Billy. Well, my doctor is Brett Halverson, and he's Dr. Feelgood. <laughs> no doubt about that. We're all going to have we'll a blast. You. Cinco de Mayo Friday, Bill. Be there. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm just, I am out for a good time anytime it can be had.
really at all times. You know how much better of a world we would live if everybody had a similar philosophy? I'm not trying to preach anything right now, but if you just weren't always wanting to wake up to be a horse's ass, can you imagine? I don't know how that feels. I wake up every day thinking, how much fun can I have? And I wonder what ridiculously stupid thing, even at the age of 53, I'm going to do today. Every day. Clear in mind. James, great job out of you today. Callers, those inside the lounge via YouTube Live, thank you very much. Zach Kiefer, Kevin Bowen, Mark Long, the podcast at 1075thefan.com. More tickets to the JMV show at Brown County Music Center. Warrant Lee to Ford. Bullet Boys coming up tomorrow as well. Cinco de Mayo on Friday. La Hacienda, Fox Road. Make sure you're there at 3. Have a great night. Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com.